Yeah, here we go. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, here we go. And here we go. Here we go. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. I'm not going to lie to y'all. Today is one of those Mondays. I mean, we got a lot of NFL. We got some NBA in-season tournament. We got some Major League Baseball. Shohei Otani, ladies and gentlemen, is a Los Angeles Dodger. It breaks my heart as a Red Sox fan. At least he's not a Toronto Blue Jay. I'll talk about him in about 45 minutes or so. We've got a loaded show, though. Okay, we're going to be talking Kansas City Chiefs, the offsides call that everybody's pissed off about. At least they're pissed off about it in Kansas City. Recap of the rest of Week 14 NFL action. And, of course, I'll predict the double dips. Not a double header because they don't come back-to-back. They come at the same time in sequence, uh, so to speak. At the same time, double dip. Dolphins and Titans. And then, uh, even more interesting, Packers-Giants. Some fun, fun Monday Night Football games tonight. But, uh, listen, you, you know, and I'll, I'll get into the opening segment. I think you guys at this point kind of know what that's what that's going to be. It's I'm telling you, it's one of those days when you say something and by you i mean me but it can mean any any of you out there when you say something especially when it's on the record that uh, at the time seems bold really going out there you know it's 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 maybe a little edgy and you end up looking pretty good proves to be right not gonna lie it's quite intoxicating yeah y'all should try it sometime It, it, it is it's a fun thing to do i'm not gonna lie it is very fun to do all right, we got some. We are already, I haven't even gotten to a topic yet. We already got some stuff up in the comments section. Patrick Brown says, how about them Cowboys? Here we go. And by the way, uh, Patrick, since you did comment, how about the Cowboys? Here you go. How about them Cowboys? Yeah! There you go. Appropriate. No question about that. Very appropriate. Uh, Patrick also says, cry, Eagles, cry on the road to misery. L-O-S-E-R-S, losers. It seems like I remember doing like a song about that after they lost the Super Bowl. I, I, I can't remember. I, I may have, may have not. I don't, I don't know. My man Devin, My Thoughts, My Opinion podcast. He says, yo, what it is? What is up, Devin? I'm not happy about your Ravens winning yesterday. I'm not. I, I'll get to them later. I'm not, I'm not happy about it. And see, there he is. Big trust. He, he's already trying to, get, trying to get in my head, but I'm not going to let him. Not today. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll worry about my Steelers on Saturday when we're struggling to beat the Gardner Minshew, like Colts to the Bengals blow out. But uh, that, that, that's, I don't want to talk about that. That's, that's irrelevant. Doesn't matter to me. What does matter to me, uh, and matters to the entire NFL world, is the fact that those Dallas Cowboys How about them Cowboys? Yeah! absolutely, positively, and unequivocally blew the doors off of those Philadelphia Eagles by a final score. Uh, 33 to 13. Now, Dallas putting up 33 is not shocking to me. I actually picked them to score 34 points. So sue me. I was I was a point off. So Dallas scoring 34. Dak looking the way Dak looked. The running game was a little bit surprising to me. I'll get into some of that stuff a little later. Dallas's offense showing up was not in the slightest bit of a surprise to me. Because if you look at Philadelphia's numbers defensively, I have been beating this table for months since the I, I remember y'all since week one when Philadelphia barely escaped the New England Patriots. But Mac Jones, everybody's like, oh, look at Mac Jones going up and down the field in the Patriots. I'm like, I'm more not impressed by the Patriots than impressed with the guy who is now the backup on a three-win team. So, you know, Philadelphia's defensive numbers, uh, let's just say they're not great. 28th in opponent points per game, 30th in opponent red zone touchdown percentage, last, dead last in the NFL, in opponent third down percentage, 28th in opponent pass yards per game, 31st in opponent touchdown interception ratio, and 29th in opponent 
passer rating. So simply put, what those numbers say is that the Philadelphia Eagles defense isn't very good. They've tried to bring in reinforcements. And again, I give Howie Roseman, a GM who I have immense respect for, one of the best in the business. I give Howie Roseman a lot of credit for the fact that he's tried to address it. He went out and got Kevin Binder from the Titans. He went out and got Shaq Leonard, who was almost a Cowboy. Then he wasn't a Cowboy. Then now he's a Philadelphia Eagle. He's at least tried to patch some of these holes. To his credit, it hadn't worked. I don't know if it's the loss of Jonathan Gannon, who's now the, the, the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Don't know what it is. But he has not patched, the, the Philadelphia Eagles have not patched those holes adequately. So Dak doing what he did. Cowboys, more on Dak later. The Cowboys doing what they did offensively, not in the slightest bit surprised to me. It's defensively to me that was the takeaway. It's the fact that a Philadelphia Eagles offense that was top six in the NFL scoring offense is a Jalen Hurts that outside of that game against the 49ers, second halves, man, Jalen was balling. A.J. Brown off the charts. Devontae Smith was having a hot, hot, hot streak. DeAndre Swift was running effectively. This Eagles offensive line, I thought they were actually at points, at points, in that loss to San Francisco, kind of a bright spot. Played pretty well. Last night in Dallas, they looked disjointed, discombobulated, unorganized, and out-physicaled. And that, my friends, has not been Philadelphia's brand, at least in the Nick Sirianni slash Jalen Hurts era. What have we known the Eagles for? Yes, they can hit you with the big play down the field, Hurts to A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith, who, you know, putting your wide receiver. But they're a power run team. The Philly shove, brotherly shove. Okay, Jalen Hurts, big physical quarterback, squat 600. Jason Kelsey going to the Hall of Fame. Lane Johnson going to the Hall of Fame. DeAndre Swift, power back. They got out physical offensively and defensively. Defensively, again, not shocked. Offensively, they just got pushed around. I mean, Micah Parsons out here playing with flu-like symptoms. I thought Micah played very well last night. Osa Odigizua, my guy. I've always been an Odigizua guy. Played very well last night. Gets that great interior Philadelphia Eagles defensive line. And how about Stephon Gilmore? Stephon Gilmore, who 12th year in the NFL. A.J. Brown. And A.J. Brown, and like a lot of great receivers, A.J. Brown talks his junk. It, it is what it is. That's, that's how guys are wired. Maybe it gets them juiced up. Whatever. But he talked to the wrong guy. He was talking, he called, he used one word. He walked by Stephon Gilmore reportedly pregame and used one word, old. And that, my friends, fired up a guy who just four years ago was the defensive player of the year with the New England Patriots. That, of course, is bump and run Gilmore. How about A.J. Brown's stat line yesterday? Yes, nine catches for 94 yards, but um, you look at the stat line. Ooh, he had a fumble. Devontae Smith, he also had a fumble. Jalen Hurts, he, oh, he had a fumble too. So for Philadelphia, couldn't take care of the ball. And it wasn't a situation where kind of an unforced error, defensive player kind of made a play. No, 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 no. You had linebackers for Dallas. You had Stephon Gilmore straight up. Charles Peanut Tillman punching that football out of their hands. Dallas out-physicaled them. And again, again, that was a little bit of a concern for me for the Cowboys is last week, the last game at least, against Seattle. And we, we saw Seattle struggled at times yesterday against the Niners, which then again, who doesn't? More in San Francisco later. But... Geno Smith, DK Metcalf, just abused the secondary. Now, Dallas did shut Seattle out in the fourth quarter, got some big fourth down stops to their credit, but by and large, kind of got torched. And, and if we're being completely honest and completely objective, they got torched by Geno and the Seahawks. So I'm like, okay, they had 10 days off, but this is a Philly team that could beat you over the top. This is a Philly team that could beat you in the run game. No bueno. No offensive touchdowns. Only touchdown came on a Dak Prescott fumble, which Jalen Carter took to the house. That's it. So defensively, highly impressed by the Dallas Cowboys. Offense, I'm not shocked. 
Folks, in the last, I think I saw the stat, make sure I'm getting this right. The Dallas Cowboys offense um, in the last five weeks have averaged 40 points a game. So they are virtually unstoppable. Okay, Dak is on a roll. CeeDee Lamb's on a roll. This is tied in. Jake Ferguson. Guy was kind of down on the kid starting the season. I'm like, eh, is he, is he, you want this guy to be your starting tight end if you're trying to compete for a Super Bowl? Which, for the record, I picked Dallas to get to the Super Bowl to win the NFC. I was wrong on this kid. He looks pretty good. Athletic. Got an attitude to him, which you love. Uh, you, you know, gets open. Obviously, you know, he's hurtling guys. He had a hurdle against the Giants last year on Thanksgiving, so we knew he had that in his bag. Good hands, made some big third down catches. Dak may have another weapon that I wasn't aware of. So it may be CeeDee Lamb and Jake Ferguson. How about this too for Dallas? This shocked me, shocked me, is the fact that the Cowboys against this, this is where I go to talking about get the Dallas out-physicaling uh, the, the Philadelphia Eagles. How about Dallas running the ball 32 times for a buck 38? They won a game. Matter of fact, they had a great offensive game on what was a very good game by Dak, but nowhere close to where he was last week against Seattle or the game before against Washington or a couple of games before that against the Giants or even the last game when they played the Eagles when Dak was phenomenal. Dak was very good. You guys know I'm a Dak guy. Dak was very good. I give him a B plus, A minus grade. Let's, I'll be nice to him. I'll give him an A minus. So in a game which Dak was very good, they beat a 10-win team by 20 and controlled from start to finish. Dallas scored opening possession, never looked back. Wire-to-wire -wire win. Now how about Brandon Aubrey, too? Let's get Brandon Aubrey some love, okay? Out here, freaking banging 60-yarders, okay? Uh, he had a 60-yarder, 59-yarder. I think he had a 55-yarder. I mean, kid is unbelievable. He's automatic. Might as well be Justin Tucker. I know my man Devin's in the comments. He's, not, he's probably not going to like that too much, but he's, he's unbelievable. This Brandon Aubrey kid, Mike McCarthy, showing the faith in him early in the game, which was a big-time momentum swing, I thought. So for the Dallas Cowboys, they've entered that echelon where, to me, and I'm not for the record, I'm not saying Philadelphia is out of title contention. I will not go that far. I think this team's too talented and too well coached. It's Dallas and San Francisco at the top of not only the NFC, but all of football. It's going to be those two going at it. It feels like we're kind of, it feels kind of inev inevitable. Those two are going to match up in the playoffs. Now, the question is, is it in Dallas? Is it in San Francisco? For the record, Dallas' schedule does not get easier. I'll talk about the Bills in about 15, 20 minutes. They got to go to Buffalo. We know that's the top place to play in the cold. Dallas hasn't played a lot of cold weather games in the last few years. They got to go to Miami and that high-powered offense, which will test Dallas' defense as much as anybody. Detroit, high-powered offense. Now, that game's at home for Dallas, and then they finish at Washington, which divisional rivalry. You never want to mess around with those games. So, Dallas, when you compare their schedule to San Francisco's to Phillies, Dallas at Absolutely is the hardest road to go from here, which transitions me now. And I see we got a lot of comments. I promise I'll answer every last one of them because that's what we, we, we love engagement on carving it up. Love it. That's why I love doing the show live. As far as the guy, you know, at this point, I think, <laughs> you know, the way he's been playing and as much as I've been using this uh, phrase, it's, it feels appropriate to, to belt it out once again. You guys know his name. Say it loud with me. Say it proud. You know how it goes. Rain Dakota Prescott remains the hottest quarterback in the NFL and remains the MVP frontrunner, which, by the way, according to virtually virtually every Vegas sports book you look at, he's the guy. He's the frontrunner. I think I saw like plus 160. So he's the frontrunner over Purdy, over Lamar, over Mahomes, over Hurts, over Tyree Kill. He's the guy. Dak Prescott yesterday. Again, I called it a very good game by Dak. 
24-38. I'm sorry, 24-39. Two touchdowns, 271 yards. No picks, but he did have the fumble that was picked up by Jalen Carter. That's why I bumped it down to an A-. minus. Okay, but a QBR 67 from 0 to 100. You'll take that. And a pass rating just a little, just a hair off of 100. Simply put, Dak Prescott, if you look at his numbers also, in the last five games, again, has been the hottest quarterback in all of football. The Cowboys five-game winning streak. Dak has a pro football focus grade of 93.8. He has 15 touchdown passes. That leads the NFL. That's pretty good. And a single interception that span. I could have sworn. Could have sworn. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong about this. Wasn't the narrative coming into the season that Dak was this turnover machine? And yet he leads the NFL in touchdown interception ratio. And that's something that I've been saying all offseason and certainly this year. Last year was a bad luck aberration. That's not who Dak is. That's not who Dak is. Throughout his career, he's never been a high turnover guy, never been a high interception guy. And what do you know? When an offensive coach like Mike McCarthy, unlike the previous guy who's in LA now and how the Chargers look today, even before Herbert went down, a disaster. When you have a guy, by the way, shouts to Mike McCarthy. Okay, guys, come out. Listen, he is Pittsburgh tough, ladies and gentlemen. He's from Pittsburgh, okay? He is Pittsburgh tough. Had a had surgery on Wednesday, and he's coaching on the sideline on Sunday and doing his thing. Letting Dak get out to the pocket. Letting Dak take shots down the field. Dak threw a dime to Michael Gallup. Game had been decided by that point, but nonetheless, gorgeous throw to Gallup in the fourth quarter down the left sideline. And also being able to control the line of scrimmage. That's something McCarthy made a point of talking about this offseason, that that the offense is in Dak Prescott's hands. And I, for the record, been saying this for years. Dak is one of the best quarterbacks in football at the line of scrimmage. Is he Peyton Manning? No. Is he Tom Brady? No. Heck, is he Aaron Rodgers? Probably not. Those, to me, are some of the three best, obviously three of the greatest quarterbacks ever, but also some of the three best at the line of scrimmage. But Dak's in year eight. Dak's 30. He controls. He's seen everything. He's seen every defense that you could possibly throw at, throw at him. And he's controlling the game. I mean, Dak even caught Collinsworth on the call last night on NBC. And, and Mike Tarico were talking about how Dak was, was discussing with them the night before about how he feels like he's like master the position. I mean, I was talking about this with Tom Brady a couple weeks ago that, hey, Tom, the, the, the talent at the quarterback position is not bad. They just need to learn. They need some experience. Dak's got that experience. And because he's well, he's a, a coachable dude, uh, because he's got the experience, and by the way, because he is absolutely clearly top 10, that's not even a discussion. Dak's one of the five best quarterbacks in all of football. And Dak is not just the front runner for MVP. I think the overwhelming front runner for MVP. Mahomes is out of the race. It's official. He can't come back. Hurts, it's going to be tough. Now, they've they got this four-game stretch, but Hurts is... Hurts, you know, pardon the pardon the expression there, but Hurts is beat up. I've been saying that for weeks. Tyree Kill, while he is having a phenomenal season, he'll be a shoo-in for offensive player of the year. I have a hard time seeing Tyree Kill. Great as he's been, he's going to get the 2,000 receiving yards. Never been done before. It's going to be hard to see a receiver getting MVP, especially over a quarterback in Dallas who's playing the way that the quarterback in Dallas is playing. Lamar Jackson, I said before this stretch for Baltimore, given their upcoming schedule with no Mark Andrews, he has a real opportunity to at least put his name in the mix, although he's still got a ways to go to catch Dak in the numbers, in value, all over the place. Right now in Vegas, in all the discussions, is it Dak Prescott or is it the Niners quarterback, Brock Purdy? Now, full disclosure, I have been a Brock Purdy guy from the jump. 
You can go back and look at the tape when they came in against the Miami Dolphins in relief of an injured Jimmy G and play, didn't play awesome, but again, he's coming in relief. It's a, it's a big-time moment for a rookie. Comes in, this kid out of Iowa State, plays really well, leads the Niners to the two-seed, gets into the NFC title game, and hey, given how the Niners played against Philly last week, it, it, it adds, adds credibility to the argument that if had he been healthy for the NFC title game, the Niners would have been in the Super Bowl. So I have been a purdy guy from the jump. You cannot call me a purdy hater. But if we are comparing value, folks, it's not even a contest. Let's check their numbers. Let's check their numbers first real quick. I want to put these up there, okay? So completion percentage, Purdy beats Dak, 70.2. Dak is at 69.3, but darn near identical, okay? 70%, 69%. Both are very good. Tomato, tomato. Purdy, again, barely beats Dak in pass yards per game. 273.3 yards per game. Dak, 269.6. So, again, relatively close. Dak has Purdy beaten touchdown and interception ratio right there, although that 29 to, 21 to 9 uh, for Purdy is actually inaccurate for some reason. It, it should say uh, the, the, the tw- to 21 to 9 touchdown and interception ratio um, for Sturdy Purdy, if I could pull this up, should say... It should say 25 to 7. So I apologize. So that's inaccurate. Okay. Uh, but Dak, Dak has a, a worse pass rate than Purdy. Okay. Purdy 116.9, Dak 107.5. QBR a 0.1 off. Okay. Purdy's got him by 0.1. Basically identical. And their records identical 10 and 3. So Purdy beats Dak in some categories. By the way, Dak also beats Purdy in terms of team points per game uh, as well. So you got to factor all those into consideration. So in terms of the stats, where Dak beats Purdy, not by much. Where Purdy beats Dak, not by much. So you can just basically call it a wash. This is where you factor the V part in. This is where you factor the V invaluable into the equation. If we're excluding offensive line, we're talking about skill position players. Outside of C.D. Lamb, name me one Dallas Cowboy that would start for the 49ers. Name him. Jake Ferguson's coming on. I like what I'm seeing from him. He's not George Kittle. That's Nobody would argue that. Brandon Cooks, having a pretty good season. He's no Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk's got another 1,000-yard season under his belt. Anybody else the Cowboys have? Again, C.D. Lamb aside. Not better than Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is a literal offensive cheat code. You can run the ball with him. You can throw it to him. He caught that long touchdown on the gorgeous throw by Purdy in that game. And while I like Tony Pollard, he, and as well as most running backs in the league, aren't close to McCaffrey. Aren't close. So Purdy working with more, and this isn't to take a shot at the Cowboys' skill position players because I think they're better than I thought they'd be. But they're not Pro Bowl level players outside of CeeDee Lamb. Outside of Lamb, no Dallas player, skill position, receiver, running back, tight end would start for the 49ers if the 49ers are healthy. So Purdy, and I love Purdy, but Purdy working with more has the same stats as Dak, who's working with less. So when we're splitting hairs here, that kind of stuff starts to come into the equation. Now, the beauty is. Unfortunately, this is the beauty of it. The Dak and Purdy, unfortunately, will not face uh, one another the rest of the season. They, they face back in week five, and Purdy, to his credit, played awesome. Dak did not. Niners won 42 to 10. But this is a different Cowboys team. This is a different Dak Prescott. And once you get to the playoffs, I'm not saying the 49ers will be favored, should be favored, whatever the case may be. We got to wait till we get to that point and play these last four games of the season. But, uh, if we're talking about the quarterback advantage, I don't even think it's a discussion. This is why, even in week five, when all the stock was in Purdy, mine included, by the way, because uh, I love the kid, when this, all the stock was in Purdy, hey, he's better than Dak. If you put Dak and the 49ers, Purdy on the Cowboys, uh, Purdy would still be even more productive. I'm like, that is freaking ridiculous. 
It's ridiculous. And that's not a shot at Purdy. That's a shot at the people who think Purdy is actually better at football than Dak Prescott. There's nothing he's better at than Dak. Dak's more accurate. Dak's more mobile. Dak's got a better arm. And Dak's working with less and doing just as much and in some cases more. Dak Prescott by a country mile. Right now is the MVP of the league. He continues this over the next four games. Matter of fact, I will go so far as to say this. Dallas is 10-3. and three. To win the division, the Eagles still have to lose another game because the Eagles hold the tiebreaker. No, Dallas is the two seed, but, uh, but Philly will have the better divisional record if they win out, so we'll put that aside, okay? If, I'm sorry, Philly will have a better conference record for the record. If the Eagles lose a game, which way they're playing is more than possible, and Dallas wins out, Dak should not only be MVP, he should be unanimous MVP. 14-3, and three, obviously better stats than any quarterback in the league with the exception potentially of Purdy, and Purdy is working with far more than what Dak is working with. And by the way, the narrative on Dak, well, he's a game manager. You know, he's not top 10, he's not elite, he's a turnover machine, and if the Cowboys win, it's going to be in spite of him. Every single win for the Cowboys this season has been because of Rain Dakota Prescott, who is the most valuable player. And I'll say it, what I said after the Seattle game, and certainly today, it ain't even a contest. It's not even remotely close. Rain Dakota Prescott, MVP. And the Dallas Cowboys officially are on the 49ers level. Big time win. Let's look at the comments here. Hate to delay it that long, but let's look at the comments. Patrick Brown says, A.J. Brown calling Stephon Gilmore old, lit a fire. He looks like the defensive player of the year, Stephon. Never poked the bear. A.J. messed around and found out. Yes, he did. Very much so. Uh, and Brian says, Philly better not sleep on Seattle. Ryan has this, and that's my guy, by the way. He had a great show yesterday, Clutch Sports Talk. Uh, check it out on the Grid Network. Ryan, great, great dude. Phenomenal show every Sunday morning covering all things NFL. Love that guy. Ryan, had, though, has this. This, like, I don't know what it is, just this love of Seattle. And, and listen, I'm not saying Seattle can't beat Philly, for the record. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't be shocked in the slightest they beat Philly, especially if, if Geno Smith is able to come back. But Ryan, he has this saying, he calls the, what, he, what does he call them, the green eggs and ham team. Maybe you can help me out in the comments, Ryan Flowers. But um, he, he says, uh, Seattle can beat you here, they can beat you there, they can beat you anywhere. Uh, they can beat you on Mars, they can beat you in Russia, they can beat you here in the U.S. Um has been the case the last few weeks, but uh, it, it, it can potentially be true. Let's see. Patrick Brown. Eagles fans were awfully quiet last night. Couldn't find one who was chirping. I'm sure they said it's just a regular season game. They weren't screaming Super Bowl. Oh, how the irony is beautiful. It is. And I may be a former Cowboys fan, but I can't stand Eagles fans, especially as a Steeler. That's part of the reason, honest to God, I picked the Steelers because I, I still get to hate the Eagles because it's an in-state rivalry and whatever. So I love it. Uh, uh, let's see, Devin, calm down though. <laughs> Too early for the Tucker comparisons. I know, listen, I understand J Justin Tucker is the greatest kicker of all time with respect to, to Morton Anderson, to Adam Vinatieri. I think Justin Tucker is the greatest kicker of all time, but, uh, listen, kid is automatic. Okay. Brandon Aubrey is, is, is doing some good stuff. Uh, Barry Grant Jr. Said he's, I guess he's referring to Dak. He's made changes. Well, yes, footwork has improved. Uh, and again, I keep saying this. Coaching has improved. McCarthy, let's Dak be Dak. Kellen Moore would not. And what a shock. Before he got hurt, Justin Herbert was having the worst season of his career, just like Dak had the worst season of his career under Kellen Moore. That this year, for me as a Dak guy, all the false narratives, all the nonsense 
completely not based in factual reality, all getting dispelled these last three months has been absolutely beautiful. Loved every second of it. Devin, gotta say, Dak looks better without Kelmore. Yeah, you don't say. He's you don't say. Patrick, Philly has a tough game in Seattle next Monday night. Two games then with the Giants and the Cardinals. Uh, yeah, no question about that. Uh, and listen, by the way, by the way, Tommy DeVito, Giants, Brian Dable, don't don't sleep on them. Not listen, the Giants are in a playoff team. They're not going to get in. Uh, the Cardinals, yeah, trust me as a Steelers fan, <laughs> don't take them lightly. Now that game's in Philly. Arizona's a warm weather team. They very well should win that game. Now Seattle's a tough one though. Standalone game Monday night. That crowd in Seattle's going to be. Crazy Philly seem like they're kind of wearing down physically because this long stretch of playing Dallas twice in San Francisco. It's an opportunity for Seattle to really make a statement and get themselves back to the playoff picture because Seattle's desperate. Philly's desperate to make sure they secure that NFC East. And um, this is their toughest, toughest game yet next week. Patrick Buffalo is already a one and a half point favorite against Dallas. Uh, listen, I, I, I'm fine with that. I can live with that. Obviously, I absolutely think that uh, I absolutely think, um, that, that the Buffalo Bills, the or, I'm sorry, that the Cowboys are the better team. Um, and frankly, with respect to Josh Allen, who I love, I, I, I get labeled a Josh Allen hater. I don't like that because I think Josh Allen is a phenomenal talent. Uh, but I'm about to talk about Bills and Chiefs in just a second. But I did listen. Uh, Buffalo's at home. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead. But this could be a situation where Buffalo wins like a crazy walk-off field goal type of game or Dallas absolutely blows them out. This, to me, is a really interesting test for Dallas for two reasons. Number one, it's a situation where they beat Philly. Everybody's kind of now crowning. I shouldn't say crowning Dallas is the favorite in the NFC because everybody likes San Francisco as the favorite, and rightfully so. San Francisco, I've said from the jump, has the best roster in the league. But it's a, wow, you didn't just beat Philly. You crushed them. Wow, look at you guys. Defense playing great. You got the MVP at quarterback. And so you got that. Like, don't get too fat and happy off this game. Don't, don't, don't rest on your morals. And then on the second half of that, Listen, if Dallas doesn't win the division, they're going to have to win some cold-weather games, most likely in Philadelphia. Uh, and so on the road in Buffalo, I've checked the weather. I think it's going to be in the 40s, so cold but not not frigid. Uh, so that that should help Dallas. My man, my man, boys in the zone, EJ Savage. By the way, mutual friend uh, with the Cowboys Cam fan. Uh, he says, Bryson spitting facts about the MVP debate. I appreciate that, and I see the mention here uh, on Twitter. So I appreciate that, EJ. Great, great guy. We, we were talking earlier today about um, – about Jalen Hurts and whether or not he's elite. So I uh, just gave you a retweet there, uh, boys in the zone. Shout out to you guys. And by the way, a couple things, then we'll move on to Buffalo. I spent a lot of time in the Cowboys, but listen, that was a big win last night uh, for them and for my man Dak Prescott. Uh, I do want to say this first and foremost. So I was on the Cam Fan show last night, Cowboys Cam Fan here at the Grid Network. Please check their show out. Ant, AJ, and Adam, great, great, great guys. Phenomenal show, funny show. Uh, they 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 live stream every Cowboys game. They do a show on Wednesday. I was on their show Wednesday, and then I was on their pre, half, and post game shows uh, last night. It was a blast. had a, had a great time with the guys. So shout out to them. And also, I did want to mention this. Uh, so let me make sure. Let me check. Make sure I'm 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 spitting I'm, I'm spitting the facts here. Okay, that's, that's what we're doing. I'm carving it up. Okay, so we are at currently we are at 598 subscribers. Okay, 598. Two more, we get to 600. So if we could get to 600 subscribers by the end of the show, that would be awesome. So first of all, first and foremost, shout out to the five, uh, 598 who subscribed to this point. Cannot tell you how much your, your support uh, and love and appreciation means to me. And um, listen, if you haven't subscribed to the show, 
listen, hit the big, big red subscribe button. Just takes a couple seconds. If you have, tell a friend to tell a friend. Tell somebody you know right now. But while we're doing the show, let's get to 600 in the span of the next hour on Carving It Up Live. Let's get to 600 subscribers and uh, and bump that total up so we can get to hopefully the, the final goal of eventually getting uh, to the finish line. Let's see. Oh, that, that, see, there we go. There we go. My man, my man. Boys in the zone. Didn't realize I wasn't subbed. I got you, brother. Shout out, EJ, uh, boys in the zone. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much, my man. Sh shout out to you. Uh, Patrick, and we will get to this, Patrick. He says, Shohei will be paid $2 million over the next 10 seasons with $680 million deferred until the end of the contract. Well, that's interesting. That's a, the, Thank you for giving me that information, Patrick, because I am going to talk about Shohei Otani a little later on on today's show. But, uh, yeah, this is going to be a fun episode of Carving Up Live tonight. No question about it. We, we're covering all sports. We're covering Lakers in-season tournament. I did want to move on, though, to Kansas City uh, because the Chiefs lost yesterday, second straight loss, and they lost to the Buffalo Bills, who have become a, a, a pseudo-rival, so to speak. Although, I have a rule on this show, and I have another the rules, which I'm going to get to as far as the offsides call. But I have a rule on this show that uh, I cannot consider it a rivalry at least in, in pro sports, if one team has not beaten the other at least one time in the playoffs. That's why when everybody's talking about all, this rivalry between the Warriors and the Grizzlies, I'm like, they haven't beaten us in the playoffs. And the play-in tournament does not count. Does not That does not count as the playoffs. That's a one-game, not a seven-game series, okay? Warriors smoked the Grizzlies in six games in 2022. So that's not a rivalry. Warriors-Cavs, that was a rivalry. Warriors-Rockets, not a rivalry. Okay, you got it? You got it? There's got to be some... Uh, equivalency in terms of you beating each other in the playoffs. So it's not a rivalry, but it certainly is entertaining. Allen versus Holmes, one of the best quarterback matchups you could possibly ask for in the National Football League. And Allen and the Bills got the better of that deal. Again, they beat the Kansas City Chiefs 20 to 17, more on Buffalo uh, in about eight to 10 minutes or so. I want to talk about Kansas City first, though, because they're the defending champs. They are the dynasty of the NFL. So. I thought it was really interesting. So the conversation has been about the offsides call, which if you didn't see the play, unfortunately we don't have it on the show, but if you didn't see the play, there are under two minutes to go. Chiefs are down three. They're at midfield trying to put together a drive to win the game against the Buffalo Bills, uh, who put together some horrendous clock management. More on that later with Sean McDermott. But the Kansas City Chiefs driving down the field, and Patrick Mahomes throws a deep ball to, to Travis Kelsey. Looks like it's going to be a 25, 30-yard gain. And then Travis Kelsey turns around. I think he was a quarterback at one point in his in his younger days. Turns around, laterals it to Kadarius Toney. And uh, Tony takes the distance, takes it to the end zone for a touchdown. And Arrowhead's going crazy. We're thinking, oh my gosh, it's about to be 24 to 20 Kansas City Chiefs and potentially a walk-off, or not a walk-off, but a game-winning touchdown to Tony. Of course, it gets called back because Kadarius Tony was offsides. So... The conversation has been very interesting in the fact that, hey, do you throw the flag? Do you, uh, you know, do, 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 do you call a penalty on a play that was so amazing? Well, first of all, the flag was thrown before there was any lateral passes, any crazy things going on for the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, though, and I love Patrick, that's my guy, kind of made a fool out of himself, in my opinion at least, after the game. He was talking about how, this is a game. It's yet another week. We're talking about the refs and just just go out there and let us go win, the, play the game, man. We're we're some you know best players in the world, and you just took a highlight away from one of the greatest tight ends ever, and Travis Kelsey. Okay, first of all, I have a I try not to have too many rules on the show, but just general rules is that in the last and this applies to all sports, literally sports where there's a clock. So football, basketball, in the last five minutes of a close game, I firmly believe this. 
I do not believe you should ever call a penalty or an NBA call foul of any sort unless, unless it's blatant, blatant and obvious. Kandarius Tony was clearly and very obviously offsides. But for the record, I said the same thing when so Chiefs fans, before you get mad at me, said the same thing in the Super Bowl when all the Eagles fans, oh my God, how, how could you call the interference on James Bradbury? Because he pulled Juju Smith-Schuster's jersey. It's that simple. He, he clearly, he's grabbing the back of his jersey. He's interfering with him. He is impeding his progress to making a play on the football. It's that simple. That was pass interference any day of the week. Still stand by that. Clear and right decision by the referees. I get we wanted a better finish. Jalen Hurts getting the ball in his hands at the end. That was interference. And that was offsides in this game yesterday. Kadarius Tony's entire foot. I mean, man was darn near in the, not to be, be too, uh, you know, not to exaggerate too much, but the man was darn near in the, uh, the Jets second, I'm sorry, in the Bills secondary. I mean, what are we doing? Okay. So this is on Tony and the conversation. Well, it's on the referee to let Tony know that his foot is offsides. And speaking, listen, I am never going to be good enough admittedly, to being an NFL ref. But for what it's worth, last year, freshman year of college, I was an official for a lot of sports, uh, for intramural sports where I go to college, okay? So I I get it to a certain degree, minimally, but to a certain degree. I was always the type of ref to, if the guy's offsides, and it, it, it for the record, it is on the receiver's, it, it, is, it is the receiver's job to turn to the official, hey, am I good? You see the the officials, or the, the, the receivers turn to the line judge, hey, give the thumbs up, am I good? And the officials say, hey, you're good, or hey, back up a step, because I don't want to throw the flag. I don't want to decide the game in any way, shape, or form. I was the type of guy to let the, let, let the dude know beforehand. Here's the thing, though. On that offsides by Tony, this matters. Tony was in the slot. So that means he was inside. That means there was another receiver. To the, there was a bunch formation. There was a receiver. Uh, I think two receivers might have been. Uh, I haven't seen the play recently, but two receive, one or two receivers to his left. It would have been, and listen, Arrowhead Stadium isn't going to be loud when the Chiefs are on offense as, as, as that goes, but that's going to be really hard in loud Arrowhead Stadium, fourth quarter, tight game, two minutes left. That's going to be very difficult for the ref to yell, hey, 19, back up a little bit. If he's outside, if he's uh, if he's your X receiver, so to speak, that's different. He might as well be right there. You can almost touch him. Give him a high five and say, hey, 19, back up a little bit. So that's going to be very, very hard for the official to yell. There's two guys next to Tony and say, hey, back up a little bit. But if the, if the conversation is, hey, you know, you got to let him know. He's in the slot. It's very hard to do so. And again, he was obviously offsides. But I have a theory. I could be wrong on this. But I'll try this nonetheless. I have a theory as to why Mahomes was as animated as he was. Because you saw Mahomes after the game. He's banging his helmet on the sideline. He's going crazy. He's having like four Chiefs teammates and like seven coaches, you know, holding him back on the sideline from attacking the ref. I mean, he is, he is pissed beyond this. They even showed it's it's circulated around social media in the last 24 hours where when he's hugging Josh Allen and Mahomes and Josh Allen, they're boys, they're tight. But he goes up to Josh Allen. He's like, man, bleeping, terrible call, man. This is terrible. Offensive offsides, that's awful. and awful, okay? So he's, he's still ticked off and you see him in the press conference. I don't think it was just the offsides that was called that, that ticked Mahomes off. I really don't. 
I think, and this has been the story of the Chiefs all season long, where they've had a great defense and the offense just hasn't kept up to the level we've seen the Chiefs offense keep up. Or not keep up, the Chiefs offense has really dragged the Chiefs defense throughout this Mahomes era. Now it's the defense dragging the offense. I have a theory that Mahomes knew, and this is this matters, okay? There are I, I want to make sure I'm getting the timing of this uh, correct, okay? So there are when when uh, before that play, when Kadarius Tony was offsides, there are there's a minute and twelve seconds to go from the Buffalo forty nine. With the time they got taken off the clock, there was a minute five to go. So one oh five to go. But, uh, Kansas City is now at that point on their own forty six on second and fifteen. Mahomes would never admit this because he's one of the most competitive athletes in the world. I almost wonder if Mahomes knew at that point when it got called back, the touchdown got called back, that was it. For that game, that was it. Bills were going to win. That sounds crazy. Like, why, Bryson? Because the Chiefs' lack of explosiveness offensively, the fact that they, like, finally broke through, they finally got that big play in a big nationally televised game, CBS, Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Tracy Wilson, like, the big game, millions of people are watching, and they finally broke through... And it got called back. It's like just the air is taken out of Arrowhead Stadium. The air is taken out of the Chiefs' sideline. You saw Andy Reid, who never, at least from what I've seen from Andy in the past, never blames officials. Even Andy Reid was mad at the officials after the game. Mahomes certainly was. I think Mahomes deep down knew and knows that the Chiefs' offense margin of error is so minuscule. That was it. And that sounds crazy. Hey, this is second and 15, sure, but they're basically at midfield, and they have the best quarterback on planet Earth. Do you think it mattered to Mahomes at that point? I shouldn't say it didn't matter. Do you think back in the back of Mahomes' head, he knows he he knew at that point? Doggone it, we missed our shot. That was the chance to make the play, and we couldn't make it because we've seen the Chiefs got to midfield against the Philadelphia Eagles, and MBS drops the pass in the end zone that probably would have won the game. Against the Lions, a litany of drops, particularly by Kadarius Toney and by Sky Moore. Mahomes knows the Chiefs' margin for error is that much, and they miss their opportunity. And for the record, there's four games to go, and it's certainly not over, but the Chiefs probably also missed their opportunity to host the playoffs once again because you got the Ravens at 10-3 and three who got a massive win against the Rams. You've got Dolphins play tonight. They're massive favorites against Tennessee. I'll predict that game in the end of the show, but assuming Miami wins, they're 10-3. and three. Now, the Chiefs have, the, have the, the tiebreaker over Miami. If it comes down to those two with the same record for the top of the conference, and Miami's schedule is not easy the rest of the season. But I think Mahomes knew that was our missed opportunity, and we couldn't cash in because of a, a little mistake. It also, potentially, is a situation where Mahomes knew if he went at Tony on the sideline, there would have been a, a big, there would have been a lot of media attention like, oh, look at Patrick Mahomes going after his wide receiver, which by the way, we love Michael Jordan for that. That's not here nor there. Um, so he took out his, his, his anger on Tony at the official because I'm sure Mahomes knows, Mahomes has seen the play at this point. He knows his foot was offsides. Like it was very obviously, he's darn near in front of the football at the line of scrimmage. He was offsides. I don't know. That's a theory I have. I could be wrong on that. Maybe, but I think Mahomes knew that was it. Could be wrong, but we'll see. Got a lot of comments here. What do we got here? 
Uh, Patrick Brown, if I can pull up his comment right here. Here he is. He says, Buffalo saved their season by beating Kansas City. Gutsy win, but we've been talking about the temper tantrum Mahomes threw at the end. Uh, yeah, no question. By the way, I just realized I've still got my glasses. I'm going to take the glasses off of the show. Rest of the show, okay? Because there's the glasses, I want to reserve that. I want to reserve that for Dak. I want to reserve that for Dak. EJ Boys of the Zone says, yeah, Cow- Cowboys versus Niners ain't a rivalry. It's It was a rivalry in the 90s. It was a rivalry in the 80s. Niners got the better end. Now, if Dallas goes into San Francisco, if San Francisco comes to Dallas, the Cowboys win, then it's officially a rivalry. That's that's how I see it. Um, Patrick, we won't talk about how Buffalo won it, but more as if Kansas City lost. Again, more on Buffalo in just a second. Uh, Falcon 00, yeah, hope I'm saying your name correctly, agreed. I wanted to know more about what he was screaming about, but here in the audio, he was whining about it instead of talking to Tony about his screw-up. It's potentially, again, I think some of that, is he was mad at Tony. He had to take it out on somebody. Because you ever you ever been in a situation like you're so mad at something, you got to take it out on something. Like, remember when LeBron in the 2018 finals dropped like 51 and was killing my Warriors and J.R. Smith made the boneheaded play and LeBron like punched the wall and like, I think partially fractured his hand or something. I don't think it was totally broken for the record. But the point is he like really injured his hand. LeBron had to take his anger out. He couldn't punch JR. He, he couldn't. I mean, again, we glorify Michael Jordan for punching Steve Kerr. We would have killed LeBron if he punched JR Smith again. Double standard. But LeBron, had a, he felt like he had to punch something. He can't punch a teammate. He's got to punch a wall, and it didn't go so well. So I think he, a lot of that, I think I think you're onto something. Uh, Falcon double zero probably had a lot more to do with the frustration with Tony for being off sides than it was. Because Tony's made a lot of mistakes this year. A bunch of drops, fumbles. You know, the drop he had against Detroit where Brian Branch picked the pass off all the way back in week one for the pick six. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, EJ Savage, boys his own. He said, bro, just let it slide. It was badass. Mahomes. Yeah, that that, that seemed to be the, the vibe he was giving. Like, hey, it was a cool play. Let it go. But it was still offsides, Patrick. Love you, but that was offsides. Falcon Double Zero says, even Bradbury admitted it was holding. Oh, yeah, I mean, come on. Uh, boys in the zone. Low-key Mahomes was just pissed off at his receivers but didn't want to say that. I, I absolutely agree. Yeah, Patrick makes a good point. He says, not to mention, Denver is creeping in the rearview mirror after Sunday. I'll, I'll touch on the rest of Week 14 action. I kind of, toward the end of the show, I go through the rest of the games that I don't spend an entire segment on, so I, I discuss those. So, yes, you, you are 1,000% correct on that, Patrick. Um, only a game back. Now, I don't know, would they have the tiebreaker? Because I know the Denver Broncos beat them the last meeting in Denver. Um, but yeah, Denver seven and six chiefs are eight and five. Now the good news is for the chiefs, the good news. Okay. Guess what your next game is at the Patriots. So, and the chiefs are mad beyond mad how the last two games have gone, especially against the bills. I think you're going to take that, take out their frustration on, uh, on the new England Patriots who, yeah, they got a cool win against a floundering Steelers team. Congratulations. Good job. Once again, let me do a double check. Super fly fast on this show. Let's see. Let's see if we've got. Okay, we're up to five minutes. So I see a boys in the zone subscribe. Shout out to you, AJ. So we're up to five ninety nine. So again, I want to mention. Would like like to get to uh, like love to get to six hundred subs by the end of the show. We just need one uno, one more, one single solitary subscriber to get to six hundred. So again, if you have not subscribed. 
Be that 600 subscriber. You'll get a big, big shout out in the show. If you even want to comment on this show and say, hey, I, I was the subscriber, then I'll give you a shout out here right here live on Carving It Up because you will absolutely deserve it and earn it. If you have subscribed, hit somebody up. Say, say, say hey, there's a show, Carving Up Live. Subscribe to it. Get to 600. Greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. So if we can get 600 by the end of the show, that would be an absolute blast to do, uh, especially live. It's, it's one thing, we, you know, hope to get to 600 uh, in short order, but to do it live on the show would definitely be very, very special. I want to talk about the Bills, though, because they, they, you know, listen, they did win the game, and as Patrick said in the comments there, they, they're now 7-6. and six. They're in the, the the race to potentially steal a wild card spot, okay? So they're right there in the mix, um, right there in the mix to steal the division, or to, to, to not steal a division, to steal a playoff spot, and... I did see this, the fact that the Bills entered this game in 11th place and despite the win, exited this game in 11th place. And if you look at the AFC wildcard mix, it is just a bunch, okay? So you got you got one, two, three, four, five, six. Is that six? Yep. You got six teams at seven and six right now. So you got six teams gunning for two spots. Browns. Hey, Cleveland. Browns are the five seed at eight and five. So they're clear of everybody. They don't have to worry about tiebreakers in that regard. They're clear of the rest of the, of, of the pack right there who's fighting for that for that six and seven seeds in the AFC. And it will work itself out, out obviously, in the next four weeks. I like where Denver's going. For Buffalo, I don't feel any different whatsoever that I felt about the Bills coming into this game that I do leaving this game. Josh Allen is an insane talent. Josh Allen also tries some of the most reckless, low-reward, high-risk plays of any quarterback I think I've ever seen in my life. Buffalo's defense is talented. There was controversy in the game. They beat Kansas City for a third straight year at Arrowhead Stadium. And the coach is terrible situationally. Now, I'm not going to make it sound like... I don't want to make... Listen, it goes without saying Sean McDermott had a pretty rough week last week. With the reports that came in, I talked about it on my show on Friday. I don't want to make it sound like Sean McDermott is Brandon Staley. I think Brandon Staley, I, this is not a personal shot the man, but in terms of being a head coach of an NFL team, I think the man is incompetent. He's shown no clear evidence whatsoever that he's capable of coaching a team to the highest level. Matter of fact, he's often the reason that they lose. Certainly more than a superstar quarterback Justin Herbert is. That's not the case with McDermott. It's not like, my gosh, the guy doesn't know what he's doing. He is clueless. That's not what I say about Sean McDermott. I still believe that he will, and frankly should, although this the reports last week certainly don't help, but I think he will and should get a head coaching job if and should the Bills move off of him. I truly believe that. he He's a culture builder. He did a great job. He took over a dump franchise in 2017 with Tyrod Taylor and a bunch of other quarterbacks, took him to the playoffs. Then he got Josh Allen in 2018, and in 2019, they haven't missed the playoffs since, although they're certainly in grave danger of doing so now. They still have to play Dallas. They still have to play Miami. But again, it doesn't matter if it's in a win. It doesn't matter if it's in a loss. I'm not going to ignore something. I hear Shannon Sharp, to, to, to Shannon Sharp. I hear him say all the time on television, you don't call out, you don't not call out the things in a win that you wouldn't call out in a loss. So essentially saying, you won, great, that's the name of the game. But if we lost and the exact same set of events happened with some a few differences, obviously, would you feel the same way about certain mistakes that you made? You need to be consistent. This is now once again for Buffalo, yet another game, whether they won or lost, in which they were abysmal situationally in the fourth quarter. It stems all the way back to week one. 
Week one, and this wasn't even a fourth quarter problem. This was an all-game problem. Josh Allen, not one, not two, not three. Four turnovers on the day, or on the night, rather, in, in, in MetLife Stadium. That was obviously the game where Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles. So you're playing Zach Wilson, who played great, by the way, yesterday. More on him later. But they played great against uh, Zach. They, they're playing against a Zach Wilson-led team in relief of an injured Aaron Rodgers. J- uh, Josh Allen gives the ball to the Jets four times. And then in overtime, they give up the walk-off punt return for a touchdown. Bad situationally. Week six against the New York Giants. Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. The Giants can't get anything going offensively. Nothing. And if not for a situational error by the Giants late in the first half, and again, a pass interference and what probably should have been two pass interference calls, if we're being honest, at the end of the game where the Giants were a literal yard away from beating the Bills in Buffalo, they lose. You look at the fact that a week later, they face Matt Jones, Michael McCorkle. Haven't heard from him in a while. And the New England Patriots. And up three. Matt goes 75 yards in two minutes to win the game. Matt Jones. Bad situationally. Four days later, against Buffalo, Tampa Bay, multiple fourth down conversions. And props to Tampa. Big win for them yesterday. But multiple fourth down conversions. And if Chris Godwin simply turns his head around and does what he's paid millions of dollars to do, and that's catch a pass, Bills lose that game on a Hail Mary. You look at it again, moving forward, okay? You got the game uh, two weeks after that. Two weeks after that against the Denver Broncos. Seemed like the Bills got the game won. Denver's kicker, uh, Will Lutz, misses the walk-off field goal. But Buffalo had 12 guys on the field. Bad situationally, Denver hits the mulligan. Buffalo loses. You look beyond that against the Philadelphia Eagles. Bad situationally. Josh Allen delivers the throw to Gabe Davis. Doesn't turn his head around. They're on the same page. Eagles go down, win the game. Bad situationally. And even in this game, against the Chiefs, okay, game's tied 17-17. The the Bills look like they got this game won. It is over. Bills going to win this game on a walk-off field goal by Tyler Bass. Feeling good about themselves, right? As they should. The Kansas City Chiefs have, let me make sure I'm getting this correct because I don't want to mess this up. The Kansas City Chiefs have three timeouts, okay? But the Buffalo Bills are at the KC 22-yard line. First down at 2.12 to go. Incomplete pass Josh Allen. Incomplete pass Stephon Diggs. Uh, and then on third down, uh, there's a timeout by Buffalo. And then on third down again, there's a completion to Dalton Kincaid and Kansas, uh, which, you know, completion to Dalton Kincaid for a yard, two-minute warning, and then the field goal. Buffalo had an opportunity to make Kansas City, first down, by the way, first down, two minutes to go, had an opportunity to make Kansas City at least, bare minimum, blow two of their timeouts, maybe three, by just running the football, which, by the way, the Bills lately have been doing pretty darn well. Ran for 118 yards yesterday, 4.2 yards a carry. So that means, add the math up, if the averages stand, Three carries, first down, then the Chiefs blow all of their timeouts. You can run it down to nothing, kick the walk off, and Mahomes never touches the ball. We have no controversy about Kendarius Tony. Bad situational football. I think Sean McDermott's a good coach, but he's not getting the most out of Josh Allen in large part because Brian Dable, who did get the most out of Josh Allen, left to become the head coach of the Giants, and they fired Ken Dorsey, brought in this new guy, Joe Brady, who's done a pretty good job. Um, but Josh is still throwing those bad interceptions. Josh is still making those reckless plays. But Josh, by the way, is still making those amazing plays. The play where he's falling out of bounds to his left and hitting, I think it was a Murray uh, down the left sideline, it was unbelievable. 
It feels like he's kind of key is, is kind of carrying this team. Oh, Stephon Diggs, nowhere to be found. Gabe Davis, nowhere to be found. Zero catches in that game. Props to Buffalo for escaping. They're very much still in the hunt. In spite of their coach, Sean McDermott. So, assuming, and again, I still maintain the Bills will go 9-8. and eight. The Bills will miss the playoffs. I think they'll go 2-2. Two and two. They'll lose to Dallas. I think they'll lose to Miami. They'll beat the Justin Herbert, less Chargers. We'll see if Herbert's in that game or not. They may not even play him because the Chargers are donezo. And they should, surely to goodness, beat the New England Patriots on New Year's Eve. They'll finish 9-8, and eight, and their season will be over. They'll miss the playoffs. And I think at that point, you have to fire Sean McDermott. It's like Mark Jackson and Golden State. Now, I, for the record, I was pissed off as a Warriors fan in 2014. Pissed when the Warriors fired Mark Jackson. But they brought in Steve Kerr. It's worked out, needless to say, pretty well. But it ran its course with Mark Jackson. He was a little too reliant on Steph Curry. Ran a lot of iso ball. Clay Thompson didn't really develop quite into the player that he was going to be, although Jackson deserves credit for some of Clay's early development. Uh, but Clay wasn't the player he wanted to be yet, neither was Draymond. Kerr comes in, inserts Draymond in the starting lineup because of an injury to David Lee. Clay becomes a Hall of Famer. Steph becomes an all-time legend, and they win four championships. Probably wouldn't. I love Mark Jackson. I will fight for the rest of my life if it's for Mark Jackson to be head coach in the NBA because he, he's been blackballed. Let's, be, let's keep it real. He's been blackballed. But in the same breath, uh, it kind of ran its course with Mark Jackson. The Bills have ran the, run their course with Sean McDermott. I do think he deserves a job elsewhere. I really do. I think he's one of the 32 best head coaches in the league. Absolutely. He's not incompetent, but he's bad situationally, and Josh Allen has regressed over the last two years. So great win for Buffalo, but it's kind of a, it's, it's, it's a classic situation, winning the battle, losing the war. Would it not have been, maybe that's going too far to say it would have been better for them to lose and then maybe fire McDermott after this game, especially had the Tony play stood. McDermott is, I think, gone. After the reports of last week, they're six and seven, nowhere near where many, not myself, but many had expectations of them coming into the season and they lose on a play like that. Man, I'd be shocked if McDermott wasn't gone by this morning. He's not. He retains his job. Good for him. But at the same breath, man, Buffalo needs to make some, some, some real changes. And I've been on this for a couple months now. I think I said it after they lost the Patriots on the Mac Jones drive. I said they need to cut the cord. Cut the cord with Sean McDermott. Move on. This is a great game yesterday, though. Great, great game. In terms of an entertainment factor, as far as being a close game, Dallas-Philly really didn't. Although it was entertaining for me as a Dak guy. But Kansas City-Buffalo. You got controversies. You got great quarterbacks. Got some questionable coaching. Love it. That's why we love the NFL. Two games tonight, though, I'll predict Packers and Giants, as well as Titans and Dolphins, both of which with playoff implications. No question about that. Let's look at the comments right here. Tyler Helton says, I have another account. I'm going to subscribe to you on YouTube. Thank you very much, Tyler. And if you do, you, my friend, will be number 600. So shout out to you. Let, let's that, that is phenomenal. I, I don't want to say anything until it's official because I, I want to I see the graphic. Uh, you know, on my phone, the 600 subscribers, but thank you. Thank you very much, Tyler. Appreciate that. Um, trying to look up something uh, right here. Cause I want to use it for the show real quick though. Tyler Helton shaking my head as a Kansas city fan. Look, Mahomes was mad at Nagy and Tony to trade MBS and Tony and fire wide receiver coach. And Nagy needs to go. Well, I'll tell you this, you're talking about Nagy and I've been a Nagy guy for a while. They miss the enemy. And that was a point. My man Devin was the first guy I ever heard make that point. Like, hey, they're kind of missing Eric Bieniemy. Sure, he doesn't call the plays, but looks like they're kind of missing him. I know Washington's in a free fall, but offense really hasn't been the commander's problem. Sam Howell's 
all things considered, has had a decent year. Uh, and Bienemy very well could be the next commander's head coach, assuming they they fire Rivera, which it looks like they're going to. Um, yeah, I was Tyler. I was really high on Tony. I, I was, I really was, because the fact that I thought Tony was. Listen, he was caught by the Giants, but I saw him at Florida as a Tennessee guy. I hate the Gators, but seeing what he was doing with the football in his hands, running the football, catching catching passes, I think it was Kyle from Kyle Trask at that time. I'm like, dang, if, if he's if he puts together now that the, the the I said when the Chiefs traded for him, I'm like, man, he could be like Tyree Kill light. He, he won't be Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill's the best receiver in the sport, but with Andy Reid with Mahomes, oh my gosh, they it's 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 just it's mental errors that he's making, and um, we'll see if they're able to clean it up, but. No signs at this point to say that, that that would be the case. Boys in the zone, the problem is Veach the GM for not making a move at the deadline. And yeah, and I think I think Brett Veach is one of the better GMs in the sport. I thought, listen, it's hard to say he lost the Tyreek Hill trade. Uh, they did win the Super Bowl. Miami, great as they are, great as Tyreek Hill is, phenomenal as Tyreek is. They haven't won a Super Bowl yet, but... Um, it's hard to say they lost, especially with some of those draft picks on defense being pretty good players. But, yeah, you, you sort of alluded to a point, EJ, that I talked about last week when they lost the Packers is the fact that a lot of defending champions get complacent. And sometimes it's – it's it's compl- it's it, it's um what's the word I'm looking for? Where you're, you're doing something without even knowing that you're doing it is um, – I don't know what the word – I'm just I'm, – I'm blanking right now, but – Kansas City, like my Warriors in 22, like Tampa Bay, especially Tampa in 2020 when they won the Super Bowl. When you win a championship, I think a lot of GMs should go into the the offseason, in this case, like you mentioned, EJ Brett Beach, and say, we are not good enough. Not, not, not in a negative sense, like, uh, not a negative sense, but to say, other teams going to be gunning for us next year. We are the we, a targets on our back now because we're the champions. Other teams are going to go out and get guys, be active at the trade deadline, be active in free agency, be aggressive in the draft to catch up with us. If we don't do anything, if we just stay, if if we sort of stick with our our, uh, our rest on our laurels, then they they caught us and in some cases passed us. That's what my twenty twenty two Warriors did. We won the championship. Let's go, and because. They want to keep on with this young player sort of timeline with the older guy, Steph Clay Draymond. There were reports that Kevin Durant would have liked to come back to Golden State. And Steph Curry was, I remember doing, he did an interview with Rolling Stone and saying uh, that I'd love to, I'd love to bring KD back without taking a shot at his teammates. But he's like, I'd love to see KD back. They didn't do it. They said, no, we're going to stick with the young guys. And Jordan Poole's gone in Washington, smoking up the joint. And Andrew Wiggins is having a bad season, and Kevin Durant is doing Kevin Durant things in Phoenix because Kevin Durant's one of the greatest basketball players ever. They should have made that deal. Tampa Bay infamously won the Super Bowl, and what did they do? They did something that hasn't been done since, I think, the 70s. They brought every single offensive starter. I'm sorry, my bad. Every single offensive and defensive starter back, all 22 guys, they did not even make the NFC Championship game. They were good. They were 12-5, and five, won the division, won a playoff game. But the Rams caught up because they traded for Stafford. The, uh, gosh, who else? Uh, the Niners were able to add some pieces. Teams are going to look to, they're, they're trying to catch up with you. Like, this isn't the 2017 Warriors where it's just, it's Golden State and the field. Nobody can beat them. Cleveland may push them. Houston may, nobody can beat Golden State. 
A champion does being a champion does not mean you are unbeatable. You are technically unbeatable for that season, but it's a new year. Things change, and teams are going to be aggressive. Tyler, I agree with EJ Savage. Uh, absolutely. And uh, EJ says, that was gross negligence to see how those receivers played early in the year and say, yeah, that's good enough. Great, great point. Skylar Moore was struggling. Kadarius Tony was struggling. And they kind of rested on their laurels. And that that is 1,000% come back to bite them in a very, very big way. There's no question about that. Uh, once again, 599 subscribers. We get to... We get to 600 by the end of the show. I will give a shout out to whoever uh, hits that big red subscribe button. So if you have subscribed, thank you very much. Tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe. And let's do this live on Carving Up, the Carving Up Live. That'll be very, very fun. No question about that uh, to get to 600 uh, for the show. I did want to mention, and we're an hour in the, in the show, and I've talked about two games. That's how loaded we are on Carving Up Live tonight. I want to talk about that guy who went to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Dodgers. His name is Shohei Otani. He is, with respect to all of the greats who have ever played the beautiful game of baseball, and I'm a huge baseball fan, though I've criticized Rob Manfred for his inability to market the sport in an effective way, in the way that Adam Silver does for the NBA, in a way that uh, Goodell has for the NFL, and in a way that Kathy Engelbert has for the WNBA, in a very big way. But I am a baseball fan, and I think Shohei Otani, not the greatest, but I think he's the best player I've ever seen, and maybe of all time. When you look at his numbers pitching, you look at his numbers hitting, it's unlike anything we've ever seen. Well, the somewhat inevitable came to pass on Saturday afternoon when Shohei announced on IG, on Instagram, saying that he was signing a 10-year uh, deal. Well, I don't know if he said, let me pull up the post here, uh, by Otani, but he signed a 10-year, $700 million contract. He said in the uh, in this post, to all Dodgers fans, I pledge to always do what's best for the team and always continue to give it my all to be the best version of myself. And to the last day of my playing career, I want to continue to strive forward, not only for the Dodgers, but for the baseball world. He also said there are some things that cannot be conveyed in writing, so I would like to talk more about this again at a later press conference. Thank Thank you very much. So big news, uh, the, the biggest, and by the way, outside of Army Navy, a non-college football Saturday across the board uh, mostly. So to get that news, like, oh, here we go. We got a big Saturday story, Shohei Otani to the Los Angeles Dodgers. So first and foremost, this lineup is insane. You've got Mookie Betts, my guy from Boston. I'll still never forgive Bloom for trading Mookie. It still hurts. Love Mookie. Mookie Betts, you got Shohei Otani, you got Freddie Freeman, you got guys like Max Muncy. I mean, you got uh, the kid uh, Lux, I think is his name, uh, hitting at the, at the bottom of the lineup. Talented kid. Hasn't totally panned out quite yet, but has the potential to. Dodgers will be scary next year. Now, we're talking about the contenders in the National League. There's Philadelphia. There's always Atlanta's always a contender, it seems like. Uh, the Dodgers are going to be in the mix. Dodgers, very well-run franchise. Great uh, uh, front office and a phenomenal lineup and a very good starting rotation. You hope Walker Buehler is back if you're a Dodgers fan pretty soon. Can't forget about the Arizona Diamondbacks. They were, after all, the team that represented the NL in the World Series, although they got mostly smoked uh, by the Texas Rangers. I think. Listen, people are freaking out about the $700 million thing. It's By the way, it's the largest contract ever given to a, an, a professional athlete in American sports history. 10 years, $70 million. Seven, sorry, $700 million. I, I saw a stat that said that Mookie Betts and Shohei Otani make more than the entire Miami Marlins uh, organization in terms of the players. 
So they're making a bank. And we, we know, listen, it's Los Angeles. It's, I think, the fourth biggest economy. California is the fourth biggest economy, I think, in the world. So they, they print money over there. L.A., uh, Dodger Stadium. It kind of just feels right. Yes, the Blue Jays were in the mix, and they scared me for a minute because I'm a Red Sox fan. And once I heard we were out of the mix, split my heart into a thousand pieces. But the Blue Jays were in the mix. The Cubs at the very end kind of pulled out, said, no, nah, we're good. Down to the Blue Jays, down to the Dodgers. What do the Dodgers pro- provide that Shohei, we know Shohei loves? Shohei loves L.A. He loves Southern California. He's never, there's never been a concern about, ah, does he like the bright lights? Nah, he said, no, 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 I want, I want brighter lights. I want to play in the biggest stage. I want to go out in the World Baseball Classic and strike out my buddy and my teammate, Mike Trout, to win the World Baseball Classic against the high-powered U.S. offense. That's what he did. It was one of the best moments. I would argue the best baseball moment. And obviously, I'm an American. I'm pulling for USA to win. But that was the best moment for baseball in 2023, which Shohei Otani did. He loves the biggest stage. He loves the biggest moments. And frankly put, the Angels did not provide that. The Blue Jays would have provided that, provided that in the sense that they would have been in the playoffs. They're a very good baseball team, very well run, good manager. Vlad Guerrero Jr., the whole bit. But there's certain markets, L.A., New York, Miami, Chicago. There's these, there's these few markets of professional sports that it's just different. The energy is different. The history is different. By the way, Boston with the Red Sox, history is different. Ballpark, iconic ballpark, which the Dodgers have. Shohei one of the biggest states. Shohei one of the brightest lights. And he tested his options. He said, Toronto, I'll give you a listen. And by the way, Shohei was very, very adamant. The report said that if there's any leaks, any information about Shohei meeting with the team, what they discussed, he's out. And it reminded me, it was almost identical to me to Kawhi Leonard. I know everybody doesn't like Kawhi now and the Clippers are a mess. But Kawhi, this is how it was in 2019 when he won the championship at Toronto. It was the Lakers, it was the Clippers, it was the Raptors. Well, Magic Johnson, and I love Magic Johnson, is one of the greatest players ever, and a billionaire, shout out Magic Johnson. But Magic Johnson came out and said, yeah, we met with Kawhi last night, and, and Kawhi was out in the Lakers. He said, I can't trust him. Then with the, the Raptors, there was all this. I mean, it was darn near like the freaking OJ chase in the 90s. Okay, you had you had Toronto media covering like the plane land. Where's Kawhi going? We are like literally tracking his flight live on ESPN, all these networks. And I'm sure in Toronto, they're doing the same thing and in all of Canada. And Kawhi is like, I like this. Now, the difference to me between Shohei and Kawhi, Kawhi went to second place in LA. Shohei went to first. Shohei said, I've been in second place in LA. Ain't that fun. You know, me and Mike Trout are phenomenal, breaking records seemingly every night at the ballpark at Angel, uh, at, at, you know, at Angel Ballpark. Doesn't matter. It's, we're, we're still fourth in our division and irrelevant. People only tune, tune in the games to see what crazy things I can do uh, on a night-to-night basis, especially when I'm pitching, which show he's not going to be pitching in 2024 because of the Tommy John, but he'll come back in 2025 and be the ace that he was before. For the record, remember, because people talk about, well, this is two surgery for Shohei. Nate Evaldi, ace for the Texas Rangers, formerly ace of my Red Sox, had two Tommy John surgeries. He's probably better now than he's ever been. Modern medicine has advanced, contrary to what Aaron Rodgers will tell you, modern medicine has advanced to a stage that is incredible. Athletes recover quicker. Athletes are able to play longer. That's going to be the case with Shohei. Dodgers, I'm sure, have a, a fantastic medical staff. Not the Angels, but the Dodgers. It's a first-class organization. They're going to have a first-class first class medical staff. Now, I'm not going to sit up here and say, oh, they're a lot to win the NL, the, the, NL, the National League, because I don't trust, love them, but I don't trust Dave Roberts. Some of his questionable postseason decision-making in October's past, 
gives me calls for pause if I'm a Dodgers fan or if I'm somebody potentially picking the Dodgers to make some, some noise and do some damage. But for LA, bright lights, Hollywood, Tinseltown, oh, it's worth every freaking penny to bring Shohei Otani into this organization. And the, everybody, aside from aside from the, the, the Blue Jays, which I revel in their misery because I'm a Red Sox fan, so I love it. Um, but aside from teams in the Dodgers division, this is a great move. This Saturday was a great day for Major League Baseball. The best player in all the sport went to one of the best teams, one of the best organizations, and some of the brightest lights. Love it. Shout out to Shohei. Shout out to the Dodgers. And uh, they're going to be a fact. They've been a factor for a while, but now that they add the best player in the sport, it's going to be very, very interesting out West in the National League. We've got some comments up in here. Tyler Helton, let's go Dodgers. That's my team. Hey, listen, that's, that's pretty good. Chiefs, Dodgers. That's and By the way, LA had a great weekend for the record with the Lakers and everything about to get into the Lakers. Patrick, I was like everyone else. Shohei's contract news shocked me. I woke up and I was like, oh my. As a Cardinals fan, I'm happy he didn't sign with the Cubs. No, no question about it. Uh, he says, I know quite a few Cubs fans, and I can't wait to see them later on this week. Yeah, listen, it's I I, I don't know any Blue Jays fans, but I, I if I did, I'd be like, hey, y'all, y'all missed out. You missed out on Kawhi, missed out on Shohei. Not great. But listen, it, the 700 million, to be honest with you, Patrick, did not shot me in the slightest. I I I remember saying before free agency started, and even last year. When Shohei shows up to your table and you're talking potential money and, and length of the contract, I'm saying, Shohei, what do you want? What do you want? There's not that many athletes I say that to. I'll say that to prime LeBron James, prime Steph Curry, you know, Giannis, prime Brady, Mahomes. Like now, now the thing with baseball is there's no salary cap, so you're more apt to say that than you are in the NBA or the NFL, obviously. But worth every penny. Worth every freaking penny. This is This is... Such went now. Now we got to get a new commissioner who knows how to freaking market the sport. Is Rob Manfred? Yikes! I mean, the guy has as much talent as any commissioner's ever had in their sport, and cannot market the sport to save his life. It is it is depressing. As a baseball fan, it drives me nuts. Tyler Helton, Mike Trout is a free agent. Uh, no, no, no. Trout isn't a free agent. Uh, I've heard about him being traded to the initial reports. Uh, Tyler says that they are not going to trade him, but. Um, We'll see. I mean, listen, Trout's got his money. He'd have his money elsewhere if, if, if a potential trade were to go down. I don't know. Uh, Patrick, Cubs fans were screaming, Shohei is coming to the north side. Oh, the irony is beautiful. <laughs> you are Patrick is low-key kind of a troll. He says, oh, the irony is beautiful, and I slept, <laughs> I slept in peace knowing their misery. Yikes. That is – but listen, rivalries are rivalries, and Cubs, Cubs and Cardinals is, is, is a big one. Um, and Patrick also says Juan Soto and Shohei dominated baseball free agency. What's next for Mike Trout? I hope he gets traded. I hope he goes to a winning team, but I'm not counting on it. My man, Grady Edwards in the comments. What's up, Grady? He says, Hey, Bryson, based off of what I saw the Panthers do yesterday, do you think maybe Zion, <laughs> I love Grady. Do you think maybe Zion Williamson should consider coming to play uh, offensive tackle for us? He can eat all the buffet he wants then. Oh, listen, I heard what Stephen A. Smith said on, uh, <laughs> This is crazy. What Stephen A. Smith said on first take uh, this morning. He said something like, uh, chefs in New Orleans love Zion. <laughs> they look forward to seeing Zion. <laughs> this sounds crazy to say, but they said something like he eats the table. <laughs> Which, man, listen, he's clearly, that's been a big story in the NBA for the Pelicans. I'm not going to elaborate it because I want to talk more about the, the Lakers winning the in-season tournament, but the lack of dedication and commitment to Zion has clearly shown. We're five years in, Zion. 
Like if, if you're not going to show commitment to your body now, I'm not sure we're ever going to see it. I mean, dude looked, he looked big in the night. And it's like, for the love of it, you're the face of a franchise. You're playing uh, with, the, by the way, a darn good basketball team. I'm not going to make the Pelicans out to be this elite team because I don't think they are, but they're well coached. I've always, I've been a Willie Green guy from day one. He was an assistant in Golden State. Shout out to Willie Green. But you got Brandon Ingram, who's an all-star. You got CJ McCollum there, who's a bucket getter, certified bucket getter, and, and a great veteran leader. You got Jose Alvarado, good defensive player, some size with Valanchunas. It's like, God, I mean, dude. But, Listen, some guys, it's sometimes it really is simple as this. Some guys just want it more than others. And I'm just going to say a hot take, and y'all may get mad at me. Of the three top three draft picks in 2019, R.J. Barrett's been the best player. Or the, the best pick, I should say. R.J. Barrett's been the best pick. Just saying. Just saying. Once again, well, let me check. We at the 600, because I want to talk about the Lakers for a moment. We at 600. Let me check my phone. Okay, we're still 599. So, once again, we're trying to get to 600 subs by the end of Carving Up Live. We are simply one single solitary subscriber away, albeit a very important subscriber, obviously, uh, to get to 600. I'm trying to get to 1,000 by by the Super Bowl. So, getting to 600 will be very, very big for, for Carving Up Live. And, um, so if we get 600 by the end of the show, that'd be awesome. So if you have not subscribed, hit subscribe. And, and, and by the way, if you, if you, if you subscribe, if you are number 600, let us know in the comment section, tell you know, want to give you a shout out. I want to give you some love and give love to the other 599 who have hit that big red subscribe button. If you have subscribed, hit somebody up, tell them, Hey, there's a show on right now. Carving up live, tune in, subscribe and be number 600. Patrick Zion looks like two bags of 10 pound potatoes. He had a belly. That's putting it mildly. Yikes. It's not good. I do want to talk about the Lakers, though. So the in-season tournament, I'm, I'm not even lying to you. I'm kind of sad that the in-season tournament is over. I, like, genuinely, I was skeptical about it at the at the start. I really was. I, I wasn't sure, like, ah, is this going to work? But you know what? Adam Silver, the, the most progressive commissioner in the NBA, he's like, okay, if we need to fix something, let's not wait. Let's not let it play out. No, let's, let's go at it. Bubble. Aced it. In-season tournament. I'm sorry, play-in tournament. Aced it. In-season tournament. Aced it. So I want to give a shout out to Adam Silver right off the bat. First of all, because listen, best commissioner in sports. I don't think that's that's a debate. With respect to Goodell, because I think Goodell's awesome. Um, but I think I think Adam Silver's the man. But the end season tournament concluded with the LA Lakers winning 123 to 109 against the Indiana Pacers. Who, by the way, shout out to the Pacers and Tyrese Halliburton for a very, very impressive end season tournament run. And um so the Lakers won the championship. They went 7-0 and in the end-season tournament, went 4-0 in group play, won against Phoenix in the knockout round, beat uh, beat New Orleans by a lot, but I think it was by 44 in the semifinal game, and then beat the Indiana Pacers 123-109. to So first of all, you know, listen, when I say coin flip Davis, when I say coin flip Davis, sure, I'm referring to the bad game. Sure, I'm referring to when it lands on tails and he doesn't play so well. You're saying, like, Bryson, why tails? Ladies and gentlemen, tails never fails. Total myth, total BS. Don't believe in it. So when it lands on heads, Anthony Davis plays well, and my Lord, did he play well on Saturday night. 41 points, 20 rebounds, four blocks. By the way, did so on very efficient shooting, went 
uh, 16 for 24 from the field, shot about 67% from the field, did not take a single three-pointer, so he knew he was, where his bread was buttered. For the record, did so against Miles Turner, one of the better shot blockers in the NBA, so did it against a very good defensive big. LeBron was a typical LeBron, 24, 11, and 4, 10 for 21 for the field, so relatively efficient, and had the second-best plus-minus on the Lakers to Cam Reddish, who played a solid uh, in-season tournament championship game as well. So, Obviously, AD was phenomenal. Lakers very much deserved it. They were the best team in the end-season tournament from start to finish. And first of all, I don't want to see anybody saying, ah, Mickey Mouse ring doesn't matter. I saw some meme. They Someone photoshopped a, a picture of LeBron's face onto Mickey Mouse from the old Mickey Mouse Clubhouse show. I used to watch that as a kid. Those were the days. But they f- photoshopped uh, or, or put LeBron's face on Mickey Mouse. Like, oh, come on. Are we doing this again? Are we discrediting this man again? I actually do think this this impacts LeBron's legacy in a very positive way, and I'll explain why. So, yes, it is the inaugural in-season tournament, first of its kind, and I think it will be something we don't we won't judge players like LeBron, Steph, Katie, heck, guys like Giannis or Jokic, I think. But I think for the younger guys, younger generation like Anthony Edwards, like I don't know, like De'Aaron Fox or Chet Holmgren, Victor Wembanyama, I think as time goes on. You know, we talk about maybe if, if Victor and Chet have this like years long rivalry, which there's a potential for that. Both are fantastic young players right in the middle of the rookie of the year race. But if they're in the running and, and we're debating who's the greatest player ever between those two, in season tournament might actually come into play. Well, this guy was all in season tournament this many times. And this guy won this many in season tournament championships. This guy went to the championship game this many times. So it might for the younger guys. I think it'll it'll be a, a legitimate discussion as this tournament continues to grow. And if, if if this year's any indication, this year the inaugural year, this thing's in good hands. But here's how I think it affects affects LeBron positively: is the fact that. If you think about the Lakers, at least LeBron's Lakers tenure, so the first year, 2018, not great. The numbers were good, but not great. Lakers were bad. He got injured on Christmas Day against the Warriors, came back, wasn't the same, and the Lakers missed the playoffs. Well, they come back the next year, they get AD. Excuse me, they go down the bubble, win the championship, and LeBron wins finals MVP. 2021, Braun was beat up, AD was beat up, they lost to Phoenix. A 2022, awful year, missed the playoffs. Vogel was the scapegoat. Westbrook was there. It was a very old roster, and they, it didn't work at all. Last year, they make the trade deadline moves, make the playoffs, get to the, the Western Conference Finals. This year, I maintain, I think they're the second-best team out West to the Denver Nuggets. What this in-season tournament championship proves for LeBron, uh, in the long term, if we're going to do GOAT debate, which, again, I don't want to. I said in last week after LeBron had that game against Phoenix and after he had the game against uh, against the Pelicans where he was amazing. If we're splitting hairs in the scope discussion, we're talking about LeBron's long-term legacy. One of the things you will have to say about LeBron James, you will have to, and we knew this coming in, this just validated it. When it's a do-or-die game, when it's time to show up and play basketball, when it's time to, 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 to lead your team, by the way, second time he's led his team to a championship in something that's unprecedented, led his team in the bubble, something that's never been seen before. Uh, you know, no no crowd, no fans. They were away from their family for weeks, if not months. Went down, did it, almost didn't blink, and led his team to the championship in 2020. And now in this case, in-season tournament. What is this? A lot of players, I remember coming in the in-season tournament that first Friday night in November. How does this thing even really work? Like, we know it's important. We know these games mean more. We're not really sure how it works. Obviously, the players know by this point. But LeBron's like, let's let's just go out here and win the games. 
And LeBron, simply put, was fantastic, especially once you get to the knockout round. Once you got to the single elimination when they took on the Phoenix Suns, when again, need I remind you that in a game featuring Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Anthony Davis, LeBron was the best player on the floor. He dropped uh, tw- sorry, 31, 11, and 8 with not one, not two, not three, not four, but five steals in the game. And went thir- uh, 12 for 25 in the field and 2 for 4 from 3-point range. Think about the game against the Pelicans. Again, do or die, sink or swim, win or go home. LeBron James, in 22 minutes, dropped 30 on 9 of 12 shooting, 4 for 4 from 3-point range with 8 assists and 5 rebounds. And then in this game, he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I've been carrying this for a while. Big Phil's got it going. Let's get down Anthony Davis, 41 and 24 AD. When it's time to show up and play, Bron shows up and plays. Game 7, 2013. Gets the Spurs. Dropped, I think it was 38. Game 7. Worst game of my basketball watching career against my Warriors. Triple-double. Most iconic defensive play in the history of the NBA. Game 7 against Boston. Was it 35, 38 points? Didn't, uh, didn't play every single minute of that game. When you absolutely... By the way, last year, Lakers on the verge of getting swept. Now, did they get swept? Yeah. Bron dropped 40, a near triple-double. I think he was like one assist and one rebound away from a triple-double and played all but four seconds. LeBron, even still at year 21, if it's a do-or-die game, you don't always know what you're getting from AD. You did on Saturday. AD was amazing. You don't always know what you're getting from Austin Reeves. He's he's young. He's inconsistent. That's that's par for the course. Cam Reddish played well, but you never know what you can get from him. Tarian Prince, who played well. That guy... That number 23, you know where you're getting from him. Big game, you know where you're getting, you know what you're getting from LeBron James. By the way, when you absolutely needed him, what did he do? He won tournament MVP. Which, by the way, people are like, why didn't Anthony Davis get it? It's tournament MVP. It's the seven games. Uh, and certainly in Vegas, LeBron was, by and large, the best player there. Tyrese Halliburton, AD, certainly could have a case. But for me, it is the king. It is, it might be the GOAT. But that that's another discussion for another day. It is... LeBron James. Let's see what we got. Uh, Yeah, Grady. Talking about the in-season tournament. It embraces the AAU of basketball, which I didn't think they would do genius. I absolutely 1,000% agree with you, Grady. Love it. Like, it's... And again, you go to Vegas. Like, it's... I loved... Oh, my gosh. I loved the ABC slash ESPN and then the inside the NBA crew on TNT. You saw Chuck and, and Stephen A going back and forth. Uh, that was fantastic, uh, fantastic stuff. So, uh, great point, though, Grady. AAU basketball. Like, we all we all love it. Like, the kind of... It feels like kind of buddies going back and forth. Like, this... Again, the next thing Adam Silver needs to address is the All-Star game. We know it was a dud last year, but that's what I love about Adam Silver. He doesn't complain about a problem. He says, how can I fix it? How am I going to be the solution rather than the problem? Because anybody can complain about a problem. How do you fix it? Adam Silver's paid millions of dollars to do so, and he does. Let's his best commissioner in sports for, all, for, for, for my money. Grady, my Lakers are going to the finals if we can avoid the Nuggets. I certainly would not count you guys out. I think the length uh, that you guys bring to the table, I think when you consider the fact um, – Again, LeBron in big games, Anthony Davis, if the coin lands on heads, because he's you know he's up and down and consistent for a guy of his caliber. But if it's on heads, AD can be the best player on the floor, uh, potentially certainly the best, certainly no question the best defensive player on the floor. You got the length, Tareem Prince, Cam Reddish, Austin Reeves, who was kind of up and down, but again, younger player. He's gonna have his moments. I uh, had to hit that big shot against Phoenix the other night. That's where it goes. 
Patrick, AD was as dominant as I've seen him in his Lakers tenure. If he plays like that, we're unstoppable. I don't know if I'd use unstoppable. Well, yeah, of course, it's a hard arg to argue not unstoppable. If he gives you that against Denver and Jokic, that's going to be tough. But for, again, for my money, those are the two best teams out West right now. And that hurts like you know what as a Warriors fan. Legend Kingdom World, 564 subscribers. It's Tyler Helton. Let's go. You said 564? Five, six, um, my phone's still saying, let me refresh my phone. It still says 599. Uh, but I'll, I'll take your word. For, I'll absolutely take your word for it that we got 600. Uh, still, yeah, still says 599. But if we get, get to 600 by the end of the show, that would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, but there you go. So, so Legend Kingdom World. So, you, so this is Tyler Helton, I guess? So yeah, get to. Uh, I don't know if he's trying to say I, I'm, I had trouble reading the comment, Tyler. Uh, if, if you said you subscribed, to get to 600, but we'll see. Uh, obviously, greatly appreciate that. Again, for for right now, I don't know why, but on my phone, maybe it's late. It says five to nine, but I I, I want to say it when it's officially official for sure. Patrick, Lakers will raise an in-season tournament banner. Yes, I think that's next week. They will next Monday. They'll raise the banner. Uh, I feel like this was needed to bring back the nostalgia of 90s and 2000s NBA games. Yeah, it, it was, and that was, again, I have I said this, I defended the players in the All-Star game. Oh, my gosh, the, the, the effort by the players was terrible. Oh, my God. Give them incentive to play. They, here's the thing. They make millions of dollars. It is human nature. If the games don't matter, if the fans tell you, if the ratings tell you, if, frankly, the league tells you, Game doesn't really matter that much. Why do you expect me to put an effort? Not necessarily say not put an effort to to treat it like it matters. I'm not treating this like a game seven. In season tournament? Oh my gosh, these games feel like playoff games. Give the players a reason and an incentive to play in big, high leverage games, high leverage moments, and they will. These are the most competitive guys in the world. They may make a lot of money, but what got them this point? The love of the game of basketball. This season, in season tournament brings relevance. To November, December basketball games, which up to this point, nobody gave two craps about. It was all NFL football, college football, and then we cared about the NBA around late March to mid-June. Or really late June, if you think about it, with NBA free agency. Patrick, LBJ played the in-season tournament and then got to see LeBron play his first college basketball game in a USC uniform. No question. That was really awesome. The fact that LeBron uh, you know, won that, got to see his, uh, got to see Bronny come off the bench for USC last night. Uh, very, very special moment for the James family. It was, it was really cool to see LeBron and Savannah down there on the floor with their phones out, just like any other parent. Because, listen, they may be rich and famous and Bron's a billionaire and all that, but you know, at the heart of it, they're human beings, they're parents. And uh, very proud of their son, especially after what he's he's been through with the cardiac arrest. So shout out to Bronny and shout out to the James uh, family, the James clan. Yeah, let's see, Legend Kingdom World. I like the end season tournament. So do I, man. So do I. It's great, great stuff. No question about it. Adds a sense of urgency. And as sports fans, that is all we love and crave. Before we get into NFL Week 14. Yeah, Week 14 NFL action to recap some of the games. Just once again, a reminder, we are 599 subscribers. I want to double check that to make sure that it's true. But right now we're at 599. And one, so obviously one away from 600. So if we get to 600 by the end of the show, you, if you are number 600, will get a big time shout out live uh, from me on Carving Up Live. If you have subscribed, tell somebody you know about the show. Let's get number 600. If you have not subscribed, you can be number 600. And comment on the show. Let let it, let us know. Let, let, let us know here on Carving Up Live uh, who you are and because we want to give you some love uh, for being at number 600. Let's look at the rest of games in week 14 in the NFL. 
Check these out. Again, I already recapped Patriots and Steelers on Friday. Don't rub it in. I'm a, I'm a Steelers fan. It was miserable. Tampa Bay and what was a big game for that terrible NFC South, but nonetheless a big game. Baker Mayfield. Listen, I've never been a Baker guy. Baker is slowly winning me over this season. I thought he was going to go to Tampa Bay. The Bucs were going to be terrible. He's going to be left for dead out over there, be a backup the rest of his career. Listen, <laughs> Baker, again, his numbers aren't great. 15, 14, 29, 144 yards, pass ring in, in the mid-80s. You know what Baker Mayfield did? Led a game when he drive to beat the Atlanta Falcons and to get the Bucs to, right now, I think they're in first place in the NFC South Division. Three-way tie right now between them, New Orleans, and Atlanta. And right now, Tampa Bay's in. If the playoffs start today, Tampa Bay is in the playoffs at 6-7. and seven. Now, them or New Orleans, Atlanta, whoever it is, are going to get absolutely obliterated by either Dallas or Philly. But nonetheless, you win the division. That is something to be very proud of. So Tampa Bay, big-time win and hat, uh, hats off to that uh, to them for getting that drive. Uh, Legend Kingdom World says, I think YouTube is glitching now. I guess so. Because I'll take your word. If you said you subscribed, I'll take your word for it. Uh, but I, so I, I, I want to I see it across the screen. I want to see like see it be official. I want to see it be official. Not, I, it's not that I don't believe you, obviously, but I want to see it be official. Uh, let us see. Bengals knocked off the, the Colts. How about Jake Browning? I mean, come on now. Hey, you're having pass ratings of 122. 18 and 24, 275, a couple tuds. By the way, against a Colts team right in the, the midst of the playoff hunt, uh, I picked Cincinnati to win. I didn't see this coming. But listen, Jake Browning, he still does have Jamar Chase and Higgins and Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd. Like, he's still got guys to work with. And so Cincinnati, I thought they were, I mean, I thought they were done after Burrow went down. And here they are at seven and six, very much in the mix. Fun fact, if the playoffs started today, every single team, all four in the AFC North would be in. Ravens would not only be in, they'd be the one seed, as well as Cleveland, my Steelers, and the Cincinnati Bengals. So there you go. Look at that AFC, AFC North division, best division in football. Jets beat the Texans. Before I get to Zach Wilson, I do want to say uh, prayers for C.J. Stroud, uh, who suffered a concussion. Adam Schefter reported today that it is a concussion. A really scary play where very similar to Tua in week three last year, that first head injury they suffered against the Bills. But his back of his head slammed with that MetLife turf. Uh, didn't look good from the jump. I'm like, yeah, he's he's definitely he's definitely out for this game. So prayers for Stroud. Hopefully he gets better uh, very soon. And hopefully he's not out there. Hopefully the Texans uh, and I'm sure the NFL will be watching with a very close eye. Y'all y'all better not do what the Dolphins did last year. I don't think they will. I get it's late in the season. I sure hope not. But uh, we'll see. Uh, Grady says Cam Reddish for Steph Curry. Who says no? Uh, let's go with literally everybody. <laughs> Grady, not a freaking chance. But Cam Reddish is playing well, though. I got to give him love. Patrick, Baker was solid. I can't knock him whatsoever. He's been low-key good for what they need him for. No question about it. I thought he was going to be a transition guy. He may still be a transition guy for them to draft a quarterback, but he's been good. As for the Jets, and a guy, Patrick, I know you, because uh, I know you're watching, you call him Slack Wilson. Got to give love to Zach. And I've I've been skeptical about Zach. I was brutal, brutal on him a year ago. I backed up a, backed off a little bit this year because part of the reason I was all on Zach Wilson last year was because it was not only was he bad, he wouldn't take accountability. Is that there was a famous moment at the press conference against the Patriots? You're seeing this season. You're seeing how guys interact with him. You're seeing how he's handling the media. You could tell being around Aaron Rodgers and listen, Aaron is not exactly a a master in terms of handling the the, the media at large. But being around a veteran quarterback, Robert Sala, good coach, and and listen. I'm, Props to Zach Wilson. He looked himself in the mirror. He sounded to be better. And a lot of folks where I didn't get a chance to talk about this last week, but there was the report by Diana Rossini, uh, who's one of the best in the business, by the way, 
that that he didn't want to play, that the Jets asked him to start. He didn't want to start, and it was like, oh, my gosh, how could you? I got I to gotta be honest. I kind of defend Zach Wilson there. Like, you've benched me multiple times last year, this year. You benched me again. Now you want me back in the lineup. My NFL career is literally hanging by a thread, and you want to put me out there behind that terrible offensive line, me look bad again and not have a career? Heck no. I want to have an opportunity elsewhere. But to his credit, maybe he channeled that into a very impressive performance, 27 to 36, two touchdowns, had a pass rating of basically 118. Hats off to Zach Wilson. Okay, he's certainly not the answer. We, we know that by this point, but maybe Zach has kind of resurrected his career to the point where he could be a consistent backup. Listen, anybody who works on themselves, I automatically, or not, not works on themselves, somebody who's, you know, maybe got some deficiencies in certain areas, but actively works to improve on those, they got my love and respect. And Zach Wilson is in that in that cat class as well. Maybe the best game of the day was the Rams and the Ravens. Ravens won 37-31. Uh, listen, the Rams are 6-7. and seven. It was a devastating loss to them in terms of their playoff hopes in the NFC. Um, they, 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 listen, there's the clear three best teams in the NFC. San Francisco, Dallas, Philly. Those are the three best. Detroit is a distant fourth, but they're fourth. I'm sorry. I put the Rams fifth. The, the Rams may not make the playoffs. I think they're the fifth best team in the AFC or the NFC. I think they're better than Green Bay. I think they're better, uh, certainly, than whoever comes out of that dreadful NFC South division. Love what I'm seeing from uh, from the Rams. Stafford's having an awesome year. Stafford had an awesome game. Had a pass rating of 103, three, excuse me, three touchdown passes. Uh, Kyron Williams, by the way, went over 100 once again. But Lamar Jackson, action Jackson, three touchdowns passing, 316 yards, pass rating of 92, and a QBR 70, and that puppy ended on a walk-off punt return for a touchdown. By the way, by a kid for the Ravens, by Kip the Ravens, who was the backup uh, returner when Duvernay went down. I want to get his name correctly because I want to give the, the young man some credit because it was uh, highly, highly impressive. Um, yeah, Tylen Wallace is the kid's name. Ran, ran that, that pump back for a walk-off touchdown. Ravens got a big-time win. They still retain the one seed in the AFC. Then they have the second-best record. Actually, technically tied for the best record in all football. So, big-time win for the Ravens. Come off the bye. Devastating loss for the Rams, but... Look at the Rams' schedule. I get they still have to play San Francisco, but do not count them out to win that division. I'm sorry, not to win the division, but to, make, to get a playoff spot. Grady, Zach Wilson can be become Mark Sanchez. Credit to him for making strides. Absolutely, no question about that. Patrick, Slack, <laughs> Slack Wilson. I don't think you could call him Slack Wilson today. Not, not today. Maybe next week, maybe the week after. Not this week. But it, nonetheless, he says Slack Wilson played fairly well, but the adversity will only get thicker over the final stretch. It will, and they play Cleveland uh, later this season, what are the who the hell the Jets play? Because the Jets, by the way, they're not making the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers says he's coming back. He's not. They play the Dolphins next week. They play the Commanders, terrible defense, Browns, and then the Patriots. So some of those defenses can be had. Some of those defenses like Cleveland are absolutely stacked. But, but I'm pulling for the kid. I, I, I hope he does well. I, I really do. And for Aaron Rodgers' sake, bro, don't come back. Not against that O-line, or not behind that O-line, not with that ankle, or Achilles, don't come back. Browns beat the Jaguars 31-27. to uh, Trevor Lawrence should not have played. I maintain that. The stat line was kind of mixed bag. Three touchdowns, three picks. He should not have been out there. The Jaguars were going to lose that game anyway to a Browns team with a great defense who needed to get this win to stay right in the thick of the AFC wildcard race. But, listen, Trevor did what he could with what he was given. And uh, Joe Flacco, shout-out to Joe Flacco. Three touchdown passes and threw, threw for 311 yards. Looked like the, the old Baltimore Ravens, the old elite. Joe Flacco, who led them to a Super Bowl in 2012. So, big-time win for the Cleveland Browns. I hate the Browns, but nonetheless, give them props where it's due. 
Bears beat the Lions. That was my ups of the week, guys. So I feel very good about that. Lions, uh, Bears knock at the Lions in pretty convincing fashion, 28 to 13. This is going to be a very interesting stretch. I think next week is going to be the biggest game of Justin Fields' career because he's going on the road to Cleveland. Browns right now are three-point favorites, so Vegas is saying it's a pick These are the games where Justin Fields, yesterday, if you look at the stat line and just the film, he was awesome. Had a touchdown passing, ran for a touchdown, accounted uh, for, for nearly 300 yards on the day, but was efficient. Uh, you know, throwing that was efficient, throwing the football was good. In the second half of that game, to kind of help the Bears pull away there at the end. Listen, the way the Bears are playing, obviously the pick that belongs to them. Pick that belongs to Carolina is still number one because the Panthers are awful. But the pick that belongs to them, it just keeps it keeps going down because how well they're playing and, and, and winning these games lately. If Justin Fields is able to put together a good stretch these last four games of the season, and again, I think Sunday against Chicago, I'm sorry, against Cleveland is massive. You, it's a hard, I get Caleb, and I love Caleb Williams. Oh my gosh, I think he's going to be awesome. It's going to be hard to move off fields, and maybe you could use that pick to draft a Marvin Harrison Jr. Maybe a trade back to a team that needs a quarterback. Trade him one pick back with an Arizona Cardinals or with the Patriots or somebody. Trade back, take Marvin Harrison, get some draft capital. That's what I would do if he continues this. If he continues this. Props to Justin Fields. Uh, as for the Lions, man, listen, man, that was, that was my team coming into this year. I said they make the NFC title game, and I am freaking nervous they're gonna win the nfc north don't get me wrong they're gonna win the division but their defense i was i've been ringing that the alarm sounding alarm for their defense for weeks now now their offense yikes 13 points jared goff didn't play well not not good patrick lamar lights camera action jackson has the ravens in cruise control most complete team after kansas city's embarrassing loss they're playing great football patrick no doubt grady tyree kill is the mvp in my opinion wow no disrespect, but no quarterback has really gone above and beyond to impress me this year as far as winning the award. Dak has a great defense as well, uh, and, and Purdy has Shanahan. Dak had a great defense yesterday, and by and large, the Cowboys' defense in terms of points allowed have been one of the better units in the league. I just think when you talk about Dak's value to Dallas, and we know, as great as Tyreek is, and yes, Grady, he should absolutely be, I'm sorry, second with respect to Purdy. In the MVP discussion, we know the quarterback is infinitely more valuable than a wide receiver, or frankly, any other position with the possible exception of left tackle and pass rusher. Now, receivers in today's game are more important than ever. Yes, and Tyreek is having an insane season. It should be a unanimous uh, offensive player of the year. But man, you can consider what Dak did uh, or Dak has done in terms of improving. Uh, you know, the touchdown interception ratio is off the charts. Pass rating is great. QBR is great. Winning big games against great teams. You know, we don't judge receivers by wins. We don't. We, we don't. We didn't judge Calvin Johnson by wins in Detroit. We didn't judge Randy Moss in in some of his stops. Uh, Tyreek is in the discussion, and I'm not saying he shouldn't be, but I think it's Dak by a country mile, given what he's done this season in terms of his value, which uh, which certainly matters as well. Uh, Grady, should my Panthers take a flyer on a quarterback like Bo Nix or Spencer Rattler in <clears throat> excuse me in the 2024 <clears throat> excuse me in the 2024 NFL draft? Well, I definitely not would not draft Rattler number one. Um, of course, then again, they yeah the Panthers pick goes to goes to Chicago. I forgot about that. I just mentioned that. I don't know how I forgot. I would draft Gray. I draft a guy in like the fourth round, third maybe the third round. I will say, and this I guess you know we might as well transition to Panthers Saints. Saints beat the Panthers twenty eight six. Cars receivers are pissed off with him, uh, and Dennis Allen's a terrible coach. And Cars battling injury. I will listen. 
I have said from the jump that CJ Stroud was the better quarterback than Bryce Young. Said that coming into the draft, he would have been my number one pick. That said, I will I refuse to grade Bryce Young to write him off until he gets an NFL offensive line in front of him. Folks, it, watch who the Panthers play next week. Let me check. The Carolina Panthers face the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta has a pretty good front front seven, certainly a good front four. So they can get to the quarterback. Watch the Carolina Panthers. My guy is running for his life. And by the way, you saw him miss that deep throw. I think it was in late in the first half, missed a deep throw to one of his, one of his receivers uh, down in the middle of the field. A lot of times, and this is very, I'm not making excuses. I'm just simply stating what you see often from young quarterbacks. When you're playing behind a bad offensive line, which Carolina is, is a is terrible. It's unwatchable. It's the worst unit in the league uh, at, at, at that spot, offensive line. A lot of times, quarterbacks will all will automatically think, okay, I got to get this ball in my hands quickly. I got to rush, rush. Okay, and then you get a little jittery, you get a little antsy, and you make bad decisions, which you've seen with Bryce's interceptions. You've seen, with again, with the missed deep ball that could have been, been a touchdown to make the game somewhat interesting. You rush decisions. When again, when you're a young quarterback and that bad offensive line, like I expect to be pressured, and on the very rare occasions that you're not, you're inaccurate. It gets in your head. So listen, I, first of all, that Carolina made the absolute wrong decision to fire Frank Reich. I don't think he's the problem. I think the owner and Grady, you've been on this. David Tepper is is an impulsive guy. He's a meddling guy, and Carolina's going to hire another coach, probably fire him too. Ugh. Uh, I. I Listen, I don't think Bryce is going to be better than Stroud. I don't. I've never thought that from the jump. I can't judge him until he's put in a position to succeed. I can't. Even C.J. Stroud was, I'm not going to act like he was going to an ideal situation in Houston. They had the number two pick for a reason. But they have Tank Dell. They had a Dalton Schultz. They, Nico Collins, before he went down yesterday, was doing really good stuff. D'Amico, Coll- uh, D'Amico Ryan's good defensive coach. The Texas defense yesterday excluded. It's been solid throughout this year. Nice young defensive players. Will Anderson, Derek Stanley Jr., um, I will not judge Bryce Young until he has an adequate supporting cast and an adequate, more than anything, offensive line. Watch the Panthers next week against Atlanta, and you tell me that Bryce Young is the problem. He's a problem. He's not playing great. I'm not going to act like he is. Guy's not being put in position to, to succeed, and that matters for young quarterbacks. Uh, Patrick, I've been saying this for weeks. Baltimore has been the team to go toe-to-toe with Kansas City. Balance with the offense. Defense is good enough to take Kansas City down. With the defense for Baltimore, they had a, they had a stinker yesterday, but... Uh, they, they've been, they've been pretty good and they avoided major injury with Kyle Hamilton, the safety, which is great news for them. And Patrick says, I'd take the Ravens over the chiefs in a winner. Take all the games. See, I would struggle. I do this. I do believe that the Ravens are better. I agree with you, Patrick, but, uh, God, betting against Mahomes like betting against Brady. I, I, that's, that'd be hard for me to do. And some of it too, is the fact that I picked the chiefs to win the super bowl. So there's that factor into it as well, but in all likelihood, unless something crazy happens over the next month. Uh, they're going to have to, they're going to win the division. They're going to beat Denver, I think, for the division. But they're going to have to go uh, take the show on the road, potentially, as early as the divisional round. Patrick, question is, who's going to be the next head coach in Carolina? That's the $25,000 question nobody can answer. David uh, Dave Tepper can't hire the right guy, but the Panthers' failures fall on the general manager. Listen, I think of the head coaching jobs that are going to be available, and reportedly, according to Schefter, it's going to be a lot. Uh, I think... Listen, I'm not ruling out the Patriots moving on from Belichick. Uh, Eberflus, of course, the Bears are playing well, so maybe he keeps his job at Eberflus. Potentially could be gone in Chicago. Uh, 
Vegas obviously has a, a, a coaching uh, vacancy. So do so the Carolina Panthers. I think the Panthers are the least attractive job. They'll have the number one pick, but Chicago has that pick. Uh, they have n- virtually no assets, at least good assets in terms of draft capital. They're not a talented roster. They got some nice players I like on defense. I think it's the least attractive job. So probably Patrick, the best, sorry, second best defensive coordinator. Honestly, that's, I think that's what they're going to end up with. And I, I hope that, I hope not, but we'll see. Grady, that's fair. I do think Bryce Young has until the end of next year to prove something. We, or we got to draft another guy high. He's just looked that bad to me. I think the team is bad though. I feel like we might be headed for a Josh Rosen scenario. Similarly, we, we may. And, and again, the, the difference there is that the Cardinals had the number one pick and they took Kyler Murray, who obviously ended up being way, way better than, um, than Rosen. But, Again, now, now that's fair. If if he if the Panthers are aggressive in free agency, they they go out and spend money on offensive linemen, and there's and Bryce is still bad. Not listen, Bryce doesn't have to be Stroud, but if he's just still terrible, yeah, you you have to move on from at that point. But uh, fair points across the board, uh, Grady Edwards. What else do we have? Uh, oh god, it was a rough game for me. Vikings beat the Raiders, so it was it was rough for a lot of reasons. So I I picked Minnesota to win. I picked them to cover. It ended up being a, being a push because I think they were three point favorites and they they won by a final score of three to nothing. And my man, Robert Joshua Dobbs, I may not be saying that name for a very long time because he was benched in this game for Nick Mullins, who led the drive for the game-winning field goal for Minnesota. Dobbs had a rough day at the office, just like he had two weeks ago against uh, the Chicago Bears. Listen, he's going to be in the league for a, for a very long time, at least as long as he wants to be as a good backup. Frankly, I'm not even I'm not even kidding. I would take him in Pittsburgh over anybody we've got. Uh, he 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 knows he's been in Pittsburgh before, so there's some familiarity there. But uh, listen, Minnesota's in the in the thick of the playoff hunt in the NFC, so a win's a win. Three nothing or thirty three to nothing, it's still a win. So you'll take it. 49ers beat the Seahawks. Brock Purdy was fantastic in this game. Three hundred sixty eight yards passing, two touchdowns, a pick, and a pass rating of one twenty two QBR. By the way, of sixty six. Uh, Seattle's in a free fall. I said this weeks ago. I said the Seahawks are about to absolutely plummet when you look at their upcoming schedule. They had to face the Niners and the Eagles. Now, we'll see what happens with the Eagles and the Cowboys. So this stretch for for, for Seattle, that loss to the Rams all of a sudden on, on November 19th looks pretty darn big today, and uh, it's getting rough. As for San Francisco, I still maintain I think they're the best roster in the league, probably still the best team in the league, and as great as Brock Purdy's been, I, I don't think he's the MVP. I think that's clearly Dak, but uh, Purdy has been nothing short of, of fantastic. I've been a Purdy guy from day one. Grady says, if we can pull up his comment here, he says, give McDermott from the Bills as the new head coach. He can at least clean it up. That is, he can do that. Again, I don't think Sean McDermott is the guy to, to develop a team into a, well, to his credit, the Bills have been a Super Bowl contender the last couple of years, but to develop a team into a team that can get to the Super Bowl, because we obviously haven't seen the Bills do that yet, and there's he's a big reason for that. But yes, he took over. People forget how irrelevant and nobody cared about the Bills. They hadn't won a playoff game since, I think, the late 90s, early 2000s. And he comes in and make the playoffs year one. And they add Josh Allen, who's an all-time talent, and you see the success the Bills have had, obviously, minus the Super Bowl. But uh, that would be a good hire. Now, you got to hope the Bills, Grady, kind of flounder. Obviously, Sean McDermott was uh, the defensive coordinator for the Panthers under Ron Rivera, which is how he got the Bills job. So, again, familiarity with the organization. There's some there's some respect there. So that would be a, a good opportunity for him, no question about that. I mentioned Bills and be the Chiefs. Okay, finally, Broncos beating the Chargers. Broncos country, let's ride 24-7. to I did. That was my favorite picks of the week, taking Denver to win. They're right in the thick of the AFC playoff race. By the way, a game behind the Chiefs. Talked about that throughout the show. I do not think they'll catch them. Kansas City is New England. No offense, Grady, but they'll they'll um 
they'll dispatch of the Patriots, I think, pretty quickly. I get the pay, I get the Chiefs are in a free fall, but they're not that bad. Not as bad as my Steelers, evidently. But Russell Wilson, pretty good game for him. Uh, the Broncos ran for 105 yards, and Justin Herbert, worst news of the day, got injured. Uh, I think it's a finger injury that Brandon Staley announced. So uh, it, what was already bad in L.A. just got worse. And Thursday night football, man, God bless Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet. I mean, those poor guys. I got to do Chargers and Raiders. I got to do Aiden O'Connell versus uh, Eason Stick. Eason Stick versus Aiden O'Connell ain't exactly a Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Oof. Shut them in prayer. Prayers for the announcers. My gosh. Grady, y'all, y'all should bring back Duck Hodges back to the, to the steel curtain. Listen, Duck was fine. I mean, listen, he, he was a four-string quarterback, so there's obviously so much you, you can expect. But 2019, the Big Ben got hurt, and then he had, gosh, it was Mason Rudolph. Who was the other guy who played for Pittsburgh? I'm blanking on who it was. I think Duck Hodges was the fourth guy they used, and they darn near made the playoffs, which is uh, – Seems to be the standard these days in Pittsburgh. Just barely make the playoffs or just barely miss the playoffs, I thought. Which is funny to hear Ryan Clark, former Steelers uh, player, say that. And by the way, phenomenal broadcaster. has a great podcast, The Pivot. But uh, it, was, it was great to hear him say that, what I've been saying for a while, is the fact that Mike Tomlin, Hall of Fame coach, cannot adapt. And I'm I'm questioning what the standard is in uh, in the land of Pittsburgh, in the city of Pittsburgh. Is it championships or is it just don't have a losing season? Because there's a very, very big difference. Let me check before we do predictions what we got here. In terms of subscribers, again, I mentioned throughout the show, we are one away from 600. Still says 599. I, I don't know if Tyler's still here, but Tyler said he subscribed. I'll take his word for it. But for some very odd reason, I'll, let me check on my computer. Let's see if it shows me a, a different result uh, right here live on, on Carvey Plus. Because I want to do like a celebration. I want to I want to give a shout out to, to whoever... Takes the time out of their day to subscribe and support the show. Greatly appreciate it. Yeah, my, my laptop still says $5.99. So, again, we've got about five to, five to eight minutes, five to ten minutes or so left of the show. So, if you have not subscribed, be number 600. Let us know in the comments. We can give you a shout-out and give you love for being number 600. If you have uh, if you have subscribed, hit somebody up. Say, hey, you got about ten minutes. Get a shout-out on Carving Up Live. Subscribe to the show. We would greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. I can't tell you how much uh, it would mean to me, how much the five ninety nine before that mean. There's no question about that. So let's get 600 by the end of the show. Yeah, Patrick, Raiders and Vikings. Eesh. Yeah, that was a that was a really bad game. I can honestly say there are certain games I I I do not watch. I'm not going to sit up here and act like, yeah, I watched that game start to finish. I was watching the interior offensive line play. Nope. Nope, didn't watch it. Didn't watch a snap of it. I, well, I did see the the field goal on a uh, the game when a field goal on the highlight reel, but that was that was about it. Okay, so we have not one but two Monday night games. We got the old double dip for Monday night football tonight. Uh, both games will kick off at the same time. We got the Packers and the Giants, the Titans and the Dolphins. So let's start with the Tennessee Titans and the Miami Dolphins. Now live. Half. So here's what I'm looking at with Miami. So they're nine and three. They have they're kind of the lasting team that we would consider great. That has the stigma that Dallas finally it was a ridiculous stigma, but they, the Cowboys finally lifted last night against Philly. Like, oh, they can't beat the good teams. Well, Miami got blown out by Buffalo. Good team. And then they went to Philly, kind of didn't get blown out, but the Eagles controlled that game start to finish. But then played the Chiefs, which the Chiefs are floundering. The Chiefs are still a very good football team and almost beat them. So 
They will not have the opportunity until a couple weeks from now when they play the Cowboys, and then they'll play the Ravens, and then they'll play the Bills. So the stretch for Miami is no joke. But they have an opportunity at home. Tyree Kill is an MVP candidate to really make a statement here. Tennessee at 4-8. and eight. Uh, Listen, I've seen some things that I've liked from Will Levis, and then there's the occasional uh, or the common, very common uh, quarterback, rookie quarterback mistakes, bad throws, just misreading plays at times. Uh, listen, Tennessee sold off, uh, you know, they, they not sold off, but they traded uh, Kevin Bynard to the to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. And you got uh, Derrick Henry, who potentially was going to get traded. He's still there, still making a big impact for the Titans, still a touchdown machine, at least down there in the red zone. I like what Miami's defense has done in recent years. I'm sorry, um, <clears throat> since in recent weeks. Jalen Ramsey's been good. The pass rush has been good. Linebackers, uh, Xavier Howard as well. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like the Vikings, I'm sorry, the, the Dolphins to win this game and win it pretty comfortably. 41-17 to 17 over the Titans. Dolphins win and cover emphatically 41-17 to 17 over the Tennessee Titans. Give me Miami, 41-17. Tyree Kill, let's give him... Let's give him 10 catches for a buck 70 and two touchdowns to keep his name right in the midst of the MVP race. All right. So my upset of the week, technically, was Bears and Lions. I try to reserve upset of the week for Sunday. But I got a bigger and better one. Give me the Giants. 23-20. Tommy DeVito, baby. The Packers, five and a half point favorites on the road. Nah. Give me the Giants off of a bye, 23-20 over the Green Bay Packers, and here's why. So Tommy DeVito, listen, he had, the, he had a rough outing against the Jets when he came in relief for an injured uh, Tyrod Taylor, played rough against the Cowboys, then again so did Jalen Hurts, so no, you know, nothing there to, to hang your head over Mr. DeVito, but against the Washington Commanders, I get it, it's a bad defense, I understand, but Tommy DeVito, three touchdown passes and a pass rating of 137, he looks pretty good against the New England Patriots, a defense that has held some pretty darn good quarterbacks to some bad outings. Tommy DeVito, touchdown passing, led the game-winning drive and had a pass rating over 100, so coming off of a bye week, listen, you know, Brian Dable saw enough from the kid to say, you know what? I'm going to give him the nod over the veteran, Tyrod Taylor, who is coming off of IR this week. Saquon Barkley, my man Jalen Hyatt's going to make some plays throughout the course of this game. Green Bay's defense is very good. I love what they bring to that side of the ball, in particular with Rashawn Gary, Jair, Jair Alexander, and company. But I'm telling you, it's coming. It's coming. Okay, Jordan Love, uh, the world is deeming him. Oh, the Packers found their guy, and maybe they have. It's games like this, you got to win. And I just have a feeling that Matt LaFleur, I under, I know he's undefeated in December, but you're going to lose eventually. Monday Night Football, Giants fans at MetLife going to be excited, going to be ready to go. I think Tommy DeVito is going to pull it off with family and friends in attendance. Giants win 23-20 to over the Green Bay Packers. Again, this does not count as my ups of the week. I reserve that for Sunday. But the Giants, <clears throat> excuse me, get the big-time upset over the Packers. 23-2. to 20, there you go. Love it. And if, if, it, if it occurs, oh, you better believe, <clears throat> excuse me, you better believe Cheesehead Ozzy will be making a, an appearance on Carving Up Live on Wednesday's show. No doubt about it. Uh, listen, if if Tyler subscribed, it, it's, it is not showing on YouTube. I have absolutely no clue why, but it is not showing. It still says $5.99. So, uh, give it, I guess when I get to go through my outros, still have a few minutes to, I still have a few minutes to get to 600. So once again, final call, if you, uh, second to last call, if you have subscribed to carving it up live, you got about five minutes, hit somebody up, say, Hey, there's a sports show. It's called carving it up. 
NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, all of which we talked about on the show today, especially a lot of football, of course. We're in the thick of the NFL playoff chase. There's no question about that. So if you have subscribed, hit somebody up who has it. Tell them to subscribe to the show and be number 600 and, and encourage them to, to chime in the comments. Say, hey, I'm number 600, and we will give you a big, big, big shout-out live on this show. If you have, have not subscribed, you be the one. Hit the big red subscribe button. Join the Carving It Up family. And uh, we can have a celebration here live on the show. But again, we're at 599. We are one away, one single subscriber away. So hit up somebody, tell them to subscribe to the show or ask them. Don't tell them. We're not making you do anything. We're simply asking you. Uh, Ask them to subscribe to the show. And there you go. You can get to 600. All right. Uh, that is all the time here for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by. As always, be sure to catch Carving It Up Live on Wednesday. With a potential cameo by Cheesehead Ozzy, by the way. At 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time, right here on Twitter. As well as the Carving Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. Again, as mentioned, be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. It helps the channel grow exponentially. Again, we are one one single subscriber away from 600. So in this last minute and a half, two minutes uh, uh, that we got left, if you have not subscribed, be the be, be number 600 comment. We'll give you a shout out. If you have subscribed, hit somebody up, ask them to subscribe to the show. NFL, NBA, college football, major league baseball. We're trying to get all the love and all the attention, all the, the play and the praise for carving up live. There's no question about that. So we're trying to get to 1000, by the way, by super bowl 58, which is February the 11th. So we're close to 600. So we are well on our way to doing so. So hit that big red subscribe button. It would help the channel grow exponentially. And of course, just as important, go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast, right uh, right here on YouTube, obviously, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast. You can check all of that out, my show and others on the Grid Network. Shout out to the Cowboys Camp Fam, uh, who, by the way, they're on the Grid. It was on their show, uh, the, the pregame show. Halftime show, post-game show. Shout out to those guys. No question about it. Patrick Brown in the comments, and he is right. He is at the grid, by the way, writing some killer articles for the grid's website that I would implore you to check out. He says the grid is booming. You better believe it. We're coming, baby. We're, we're, we're building up the subscriber count on the grid. There's no question about that. So, okay, it doesn't look like we'll get to 600 on the show. Certainly, we would, we would hope to have that in by uh, Wednesday. And nonetheless, we will still do a celebration for 600 because any milestone you want to, you want to enjoy the journey. It's a long, you know, you want to enjoy that on the way, but also at the same breath, you want to understand the the process and, and, uh, and celebrate the milestones. That's what it's all about uh, in this thing called life. All right. I'll see y'all on Wednesday. Stay safe out there. Uh, Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please, please, please be sure to contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America. Um, very, it's caused very near and dear to my heart. I'm very, very passionate about it. So let's uh, let's get this issue fixed in any way that we can. All right. See y'all on Wednesday. A lot of football, NBA. Warriors and Suns play on Tuesday. I may be talking about that game. Who knows? going to be fun. See y'all then. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. 600 on deck, baby. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube, and be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on the Grid Network.